0: Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am set host Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of February 8th, 2024, including. A new report suggests Xbox exclusives like Starfield will start making their way to PlayStation in the near future. Naturally, this has instilled a lot of concern and consternation among fans of the brand. What does this mean for the future of Xbox? Let's get into all that and more coming up right now. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2005, 19 years ago, NBA Street V3 was released for the Xbox in the US. The only thing I really remember about this game are well, I guess twofold, but the big one being the Nintendo GameCube version of the game had like the Super Mario All-Stars picture in the corner. It's like why the hell is Mario and why are Mario and Luigi on the cover of the box with the NBA with the basketball guys? I don't I don't know NBA, so I don't I don't know who's in, in basketball, sorry. But uh, I, yeah, just that I remember seeing that a lot, especially perusing like blockbusters and, and, and uh, targets and things like that. Just seeing this this cover all the or this key art on on the GameCube version of the game all the time. Other than that, of course, the other notable thing about this game, as someone who absolutely never played it, is of course EA Sports. The EA Sports branding, you you, you bet your sweet ass if you're hey if you're someone who grew up playing games in the early two thousands, you know this is one of those games you turn on. And you hear, EA Sports, it's in the game. So uh any any game that starts that way is like an in instant six out of ten, you know, like I guess you could EA could release a broken game today, you know, an absolute botched piece of shit. Or kinda like not a piece of shit game, but you know, like a, like Star like the most recent Star Wars Jedi game, Survivor that came out last year. Obviously, you know, I didn't play it, but a lot a lot of people say it's a really good game, it's well liked. But if you'll remember, the week it came out it had it was just riddled with uh, with, with Performance issues. I think especially on PC was it was the issue. But anyway, it had it had severe performance issues. That's an EA published game. Literally, if they wanted to fix the game, all they had to do was put out a patch where you boot it up instead of showing the Star Wars or the Disney logo or whatever the hell it shows. It should just say EA Sports and do the classic. It's in the game. Like problem solved. Yeah, the game doesn't work every time I pull out my lightsaber. Uh, you know, it, it breaks through the world and and uh, my character starts f- fucking twitching and turns into Darth Vader and just dies on command. But you know, that boot-up screen's pretty nice, so I guess I'll give this game a 9 out of 10. There you go, fix your, your Metacritic issue. User score, up. Steam score, up. Critic score, no one gives a shit. There you go, EA. You're welcome, you can have that one for free. NBA Street V3, wish I had more to say on you, but I do remember that Mario cover at the GameStop. Guys, welcome to episode 245 of the Xbox On Podcast. Mike Clark writes in and says, The best Xbox podcast on the interwebs? Going to give it a listen. Ale 8 is ginger ale. Root beer is nasty, baby. Uh, Mike Clark, thank you for again. Glad to kick off this very exciting week uh, to talk about Xbox news. Maybe I shouldn't say exciting. It's I'm very eager to talk Xbox this week. I don't know if I'm excited to talk Xbox, but this is probably the most eager to record I have been in quite a while, including the developer direct from the other week. From two weeks ago, so that's uh you know not a good thing, but whatever you I'm, I'm sure you already know why if you uh you know unless again as always unless you're living under a rock there's just been one of those weeks where Xbox can't stay out of the news and as usual not for good reason um, but uh, before before we get into it. Mike Clark, don't think you can get away with what you said. Um, first of all, ginger ale sucks ass. Ginger ale is for people who are sick and need to settle their tummies. Uh, root beer is not nasty, but in fact delicious. And there's a reason why it's the original soda. Uh, it's because it's the, it's the best soda. So even though I don't believe that because I think ginger ale is probably a fourth place soda. I don't know. I, 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 w- I would have told you root beer was probably my second favorite soda as a child behind Mountain Dew. But these days I'd say Mountain Dew... Pepsi, Dr. Pepper, then root beer? I don't know doesn't matter. I, I Dude, I can't even tell you last time I had a root beer. That's how little I get to drink soda these days. But anyway, welcome to episode 245. I don't want to talk too much about the, the food I've been eating and the things I've been drinking because I'm very eager to talk about what the fuck is going on with Xbox. Will there even be an Xbox On podcast a year from now? Who knows what all is going to happen. Jim Ryan, who is on his way out from PlayStation, so I don't know why I'm using him as an example, went on over to Xbox. He knocked on the Xbox door, which is very inconveniently shaped like an X, and. He uh, Phil Spencer opened the door. He was in his bathrobe brushing his teeth. He's like, what do you want? And he's like, I want your games on my platform. And Phil says no. And then uh, then Jim Ryan held up a very embarrassing photo of Phil Spencer from 2017 that Phil Spencer thought he had gotten away from. He said, I survived the Me Too movement. I survived uh, two Sonic the Hedgehog movies. I should be good. It should be good, but nope, Jim Ryan had the photo that he didn't, that, that Phil didn't know existed, and he said, what do you want, and he said, you know what I want, I want Halo and Gears of War on my fucking PlayStation 5 right now, and Phil said, you bastard, and then he went in, and then the changed scenes, but you can assume that maybe some deal was made, and now we gotta get into all that, because it's not looking good for Team Xbox, Um, I don't know, what, I, I know people are really heated on this, there's like, I feel like, anecdotally just kind of seeing the the comments on the internet, the tweets and all that, it does it does appear to be the case that like 80% of of people are like this is fucking stupid what is Xbox doing? Xbox is over, Xbox is dead. And then there's like a 20% of people who are just like what do I care if Xbox puts their games on PlayStation? I'm like okay. We'll get into all of that because I have I have opinions and thoughts about all the perspectives and we'll and we'll talk about them or I'll at least try to. So, I've tried to really structure my thoughts And uh, all the news so we can have a very comprehensive discussion about what all is going on. But that is going to be for the main news segment. If you are just eager to get to that discussion, I always put timestamps in the podcast. So if you're on YouTube or podcast services, click on the description. You'll see the timestamps. Just jump straight to the one that's going to say news in parentheses uh, what is it? What I It says news in parentheses, Xbox exclusives coming to PlayStation question mark. So click on that if you want to get straight to that. But in the meantime, for those of you who listen, start, you know, front to back, start to finish. We're going to move into our opening segment. The corrections, the stories of mild amusement. There are no new game releases to really dwell on. So we'll just go straight into stories of mild amusement this week, which we have a couple. And we'll try to move kind of uh, not, not necessarily quickly through, but, you know, we'll, kind of, we'll try to keep a good pace through the beginning of the show, because I think. I think we'll spend quite a bit of time talking on the, the back end of the show. Plus, I've been playing Suicide Squad, so I'm really eager to talk about that with you guys as well. So starting our mildly amusing stories off this week, Bioshock co-create, or co-creator, or creator, not co-creator, Ken Levine premieres new trailer for Judas. Okay, so last week, right after I recorded the podcast, PlayStation held a state of play uh, which is like their Xbox Developer Direct. It's like their little Nintendo Direct style showcase they do. And uh, they they had a couple things that were shown that are of relevance to us over here on Team Xbox. I don't think we'll be saying that for much longer, guys. So listen up. Anyway, now let's talk about Judas. So Judas revealed at the Game Awards back in December of 2022. Um, this is our second time we've seen it since that reveal, or this is our second time we've seen it including that reveal. Uh, so let me read from VGC. Bioshock creator Ken Levine has premiered a new trailer for his next first-person shooter, Judas. Alright, Judas, a single-player narrative first-person shooter developed by Ghost Store Games, Levine's new studio formed after the closure of Bioshock Studio Irrational Games back in 2014. Uh, The announcement or the new trailer description reads, Explore the corridors of the Mayflower, a space-faring city whose citizens are trained to spy on one another and and tear each other apart from the slightest offense. The synopsis reads, where machines control every aspect of business, art and government, sounds like the future. Uh, the ship's leaders tried to turn you into something you're not a model citizen. and you're sparked with de- uh, sorry, and you sparked a devastating revolution to tear it all down. Do you want to fix what you broke or leave it all to burn? That decision is one that only you can make. Levine also closed Irrational Games back in 2014, the studio behind Bioshock and its sequel, Bioshock Infinite, to form the smaller studio, which actually became Ghost Story Games. So in a lot of ways, this is the team that brought you Bioshock, now bringing you this game. So if if you've seen the first trailer, if you've seen this new trailer, and you're thinking to yourself, my golly, by golly, this game sure does look a lot like Bioshock. Well, you understand why, right? I, I don't have much to add to this, except to say... I still think this game looks freaking awesome. I love Bioshock. I adore Bioshock. This just looks like more Bioshock, uh, but with a slightly different aesthetic. And I absolutely want to play this game and and, and play it with a controller in my hands, preferably on an Xbox console. Um, and so this is a, uh, it, it looks great. I mean, it looks like Bioshock down to like the plasmids and, and the controls and everything. The only thing that doesn't look Bioshock about this game is you can ADS, which I don't remember. Could you ADS in Bioshock Infinite? I don't remember. Can you aim down sights? The game looks phenomenal. There's nothing to say. I like It's one of those trailers that just shows gameplay purely out of context, no comprehension of really what's going on in the world. And I prefer it that way. I, I want to go into this game as blind as possible and to just enjoy it because I know it's going to be one of those games where... It's just going to be good, you know? There's some games where it's like, okay, it's it, who's making it? And it's what kind of... Okay, that's going to be a good game. I want that. Like, I, I feel pretty confident you could remove $70 from my bank account right now. And whatever we get on the receiving end of this the final product is going to be something I, I want to consume and enjoy. So, Judas looks awesome. Good to see more of that. Wasn't expecting to see more of it. They didn't talk about a release window or a date or anything like that. So, hopefully this is a game... That we uh, don't hear about until they're ready to like really start putting a, a release date on it, uh, because I, I hate those kinds of games where it's like we get a trailer every six months and it takes five years to get it. So hopefully maybe maybe that's a that's a 2025 game. I, I don't know. That's it's a little hard to say. I feel like they would be pretty confident in at least saying 2025 if that was the plan at this point. But who knows? Apparently it entered full production, full like development uh, out of its production phase into into proper development. Um, what was that in 2020? So the game's been full steam ahead for at least three years. I don't know, probably 2026 to be realistic. Okay, and the only other mildly amusing story I want to get to today is also a game that was shown at the PlayStation at the PlayStation State of Play last Wednesday. Um, and this is one that obviously I'm I'm very suited to speak on and very excited about for obvious reasons. If you ever listen to this podcast, you know I'm a Sonic boy. Sega announced Sonic X Shadow Generations, an updated version of the 2011 platformer Sonic Generations. Uh, Sonic Generations sees Sonic and his friends team up with their alternative selves, uh, with the game playing out across two styles of gameplay, the classic side-scrolling style and the modern 3D-level style. And it says, quote, because uh, if you saw the trailer, it's, it's like Sonic Generations, the game from 2011, is being remastered and brought forward to Xbox Series consoles and PS5. But what is this? There's new content. Shadow the Hedgehog is in this game with a brand new story, a brand new campaign featuring never before powers and abilities that prove why he's known as the ultimate life form. Sega says in their press release, Sega or Sonic X Shadow Generations also includes a complete remaster of the classic Sonic Generations game featuring newly remastered versions of the iconic stages with new visual upgrades and bonus content. The game is coming to Xbox One, Xbox Series S and X, Steam and the Epic Game Store in autumn this year 2024 a couple things about this game so first of all If you're you're a Sonic fan, and hopefully no one else here is, because it's it's not healthy, I can promise you that much, you know damn well that Sonic Generations is the last Sonic game we need to see get remade, basically, because, well, let me back that up. This is an Xbox podcast, so we on Xbox know that we have it good with some of these Xbox 360-era games, where you could pop Sonic Generations into your Xbox Series X and play it, no problem. The game looks and runs great. What's the big deal? The game has held up very, very well over the past... Oh my God, this game is like 13 years, it'll be 13 years old this year, I don't want to think about that, but I mean, it's Sonic Generations is one of those games, I probably beat this game every every two or three years I replay this game, I've, I've definitely beaten this game like five or six times at least, and I've like 100%ed it, I, I've played it on DS top to bottom, Like I've I've played this game many, many times before, and I can tell you with full confidence, Sonic Generations is one of the last Sonic games, especially 3D Sonic games, that needs a remake. Um, So why are they bringing it forward? And why was it announced at PlayStation's event? Well, because uh, if you are in the Sony ecosystem, uh, you don't have access to jack shit from the PlayStation three generation because Sony hates backwards compatibility. And that is not, that's not Xbox fanboy slander. That is just me being salty about the fact that Sony doesn't, Support a feature like backwards compatibility, which infuriates me because I would love an excuse to buy a PS5 or or to be able to play PS3 games on my PS4. Whatever the case may be, uh, but Sony just, I guess, doesn't give a shit. But anyway, Sonic Generations has not been accessible to PlayStation players for a long time, so I guess in that regard, this matters. Sonic Generations is one of the very few highly rated games. 3d sonic games and so the opportunity to bring that game forward for newer generations of players makes sense and then you want to market that with playstation because xbox players have been able to play it via backwards compatibility while playstation fans have just been sitting around twiddling their fucking thumbs what are you gonna do play spider-man what are you gonna do play play god of war what are you gonna do play the last of us when you could be playing sonic generations that's why xbox is on the up and up because we got backwards compatibility we got sonic generations you schmucks You've been playing fucking, what, uh, freaking Helldivers 2? Idiots, dumbasses, we've been playing Sonic Generations via backwards compatibility for like 13 years on Xbox. It's great, we love it. Um, But no, that being said, I don't know, I I have a couple ways I feel about this. Because Sonic Generations, great game, love it. Um, it's a terrible Sonic game from a story perspective because this game isn't trying to have, like, narrative components like the best Sonic games do. It is literally, it, it, this game literally was made to be a 20-year celebration of the franchise. It came out for the tw- 20th anniversary of Sonic, and uh, and it's basically just, like, a really shitty, loose story slapped onto to Complete from the ground up reimaginings of some of the most iconic Sonic levels from Sonic the Hedgehog 1 all the way through to Sonic Colors at that time, which was the latest 3D Sonic game. Um, and it's great. It's really great. I, I really love this game. But um, yeah, it just it just didn't need to be remade like Sonic Unleashed. That's my number one. That That is the number one game in the history of humanity that I would love to see remade and brought forward for modern audiences if they remade sonic unleashed and made it a little easier fixed the moon and sun metal collecting uh made the frame rate better put it on the xbox series x fucking 4k 60f baby that that's my number one video game remake i'd love to see but that game desperately needs uh, to be brought forward because as people, as the as the children who grew up in 2008 playing Sonic Unleashed have gotten older and become adults, um, the narrative on that game has shifted dramatically and people are finally starting to admit that Sonic Generations or Sonic Unleashed was in fact a great game, but that's a side note. Um, the big thing here is like, all right, let's talk about the thing all the 90s kids want. 90s kids want you to fucking remake Sonic Adventure 1 and Sonic Adventure 2 and to some for some weird fucking reason... 90s kids want you to remake Sonic uh, Heroes, even though that game kind of sucks ass. But the point is, and I think those guys have a much better argument uh, than even myself with the Sonic Unleashed desires, because Sonic, uh, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 in particular are, like, the only 3D Sonic games that are, like, universally kind of well-regarded in terms of, like, older games. I mean, people agree the most recent 3D Sonic game, Sonic Frontiers, is pretty great, but that's, you know, that's a new game. That's the new era of Sonic. It is pretty disappointing that pretty much all these 30-something-year-old schmucks are, are all nostalgic and warm and fuzzy for Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 from the Sega Dreamcast, and for years and years Sonic team and Sega have heard the cries of the fans and instead of going through and doing the the the, the much deserved hard work to bring those games forward and modernize them for a new generation they just keep doing the lazy cop out thing where are like eh we'll take the sonic game from like 8 years ago and bring it forward we'll just make the graphics a little prettier and call it a day it's like all right come on guys so i don't know i'm of a couple minds i'm grateful that we're getting this if if only for, so that playstation players can enjoy the game and that and because of this new Shadow the Hedgehog content, now the Shadow the Hedgehog content is a whole different ballpark. That's a whole other thing you gotta you gotta mention. It's the other elephant in the room here. Because while it's fucking badass that they're building an all new campaign from the ground up about and featuring and where you play as Shadow the Hedgehog, it's a little disappointing because the gameplay in the trailer shows Shadow the Hedgehog running around in basically in straight lines. It doesn't. The thing. The reason why people love Sign Generation so much is because. It is the ultimate culmination of, like, the best 3D Sonic levels ever, where it has very intricately designed levels that are really complex and really creative and really fun to play through, just like Sonic Unleashed had. But it, like, looked and played great and didn't have, like, the Werehog stuff. And ever since Sonic Generations, 3D Sonic games have kind of been, like, on a downward spiral with these 3D levels because they've streamlined them and tried to make them so easy and accessible that they are almost, like you know like like cutscenes that play themselves like i mean if you played sonic forces the one from 2017 the game is basically just you you hold x on on your controller and you just boost your way through a level there's like barely any platforming barely any going left and right or going up and down it's just you're just going straight in a line for the most part and uh this this shadow um campaign that they're adding to Sonic generations the gameplay looks like it's also pretty basic and bare bones like that it looks like like levels that would have come out of like uh, Sonic frontiers or Sonic forces, but in the Sonic generations kind of game package. And, and from that perspective, it looks a little basic and pedestrian. I'm still excited to see it because it's like, it looks kind of like they're re redoing shadows origin story. So they're going to take like the narrative components of shadow, the hedgehog, the 2004 cringy ass Xbox OG game where you had guns as a hedgehog. And they're going to take that narrative and pair it with like a modern Sonic video game and call it, Shadow generations, and it's it's weird, it's kind of messy, but as a Sonic fan, I'm really excited to see that, because I think they definitely need, if there's anything in the Sonic universe that needs to be retconned, it is everything about Shadow, because, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a product of the early 2000s and the 90s and all that shit, so I get it, we all grew up loving Shadow the Hedgehog, he's cool, everyone, everyone at church liked Shadow because he's a little edgy, and maybe sometimes he slept in and didn't pray to God, but... I mean, shadow, if you're invested in the Sonic universe, and if you, for some reason, read the comic books like I do, you know, that shadow, the hedgehog is a cool character with a ultra lame ass backstory. So if they can clean that up a little bit and, and try to make him less like nineties edgy feeling and, and just make him not a freak. Um, I think that'd be pretty cool. So I am all for, I'm all for, um, what they're trying to do here. Um, at least on paper. I just hope, I just hope the gameplay, you know, I just, it would be such a weird juxtaposition to have, this this Sonic Generations which is a, you know arguably the peak of 3D Sonic level design and then in that same package have this Shadow the Hedgehog new content story campaign that has just like really basic modern Sonic team developed crappy press X to go forward kind of levels Um, so I just I really hope there's like a lot of thought and attention put into this Shadow campaign to where it's not just like an excuse to get you to buy this new remake but rather like an actual thoughtful way to bring Shadow forward as a character and, and not make him such an edgy piece of shit. So, I don't know. I'm excited for this game, cautiously so, but uh, that's it. That's it. Sonic, Judas, got some exciting games coming. Thanks to PlayStation State of Play for reminding me of more games I'm looking forward to playing in the near future. And uh, that's going to do it for all of our opening stories or stories of mild amusement. You guys, we're getting closer to the big news story. I, talking about Xbox, what the hell's going on? So we'll get into that in a minute. First, I want to tell you about what I've been playing because, hey, I've been playing Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, another controversial thing I'm excited to talk about. But first, before I can tell you about the games I've been playing, I got to tell you about what I've been eating. And you guys, for cheap, for my cheat meal this week, for my cheat meal this past week, I, I finally tried something I've been seeing on uh, Instagram reels, TikTok, YouTube shorts. I've been seeing this thing all over the place for, for what feels like two years now. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to let the little Gen Z kids control my diet and make me fat and, and be a little trend chaser for a second because this does look genuinely interesting and I am a fat ass at heart and in, in, in my tummy, so let me give this a try. So the uh, you may have seen it before. These videos always have like a trillion views each, but it's this uh, it's this video where like kids will go to a Chick-fil-A, they'll order a chicken sandwich, like the classic chicken sandwich, and then a side of mac and cheese. And then what they do is they take the, the, the chicken patty, and they put it in the the bag that the chicken sandwich comes in, that little like um that little foil paper bag. And they pour buffalo hot sauce and ranch dressing in the bag. And then they close the bag and shake it up. So when you pull out the patty, it's just covered in like buffalo hot sauce and, and ranch. And then you put the patty back on the sandwich with back on the buns, and you just take a fucking cup of Chick-fil-A mac and cheese and slap it on top of the chicken. That's drenched in ranch and Buffalo sauce. And then you put your top bun back on. So it's, it's a, it's a chicken sandwich drenched in Buffalo sauce and ranch topped with Mac and cheese. And it looks great. I've always wanted to try it. So I thought, let me do that. I didn't, I didn't do it exactly as dramatic as they, as they do in the TikToks. Um I didn't, I didn't pour an entire sauce packet of everything. I put a little Buffalo sauce, a little ranch on top. And I didn't take an entire $5 side of mac and cheese and slap it on top of a chicken patty. I took like a big heap and scoop of mac and cheese and put it on top of my sandwich. Cause I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be somewhat civilized, even if I am going to eat like a fucking pig. So I did that. And I gotta be honest with you guys, this, um, as someone who's generally kind of just over Chick-fil-A, like I feel like I, I've eaten enough Chick-fil-A to last a lifetime. And I, I almost never craze, crave it. The only reason I ever go to a Chick-fil-A is because my girlfriend loves it. So, I, you know, a couple times a year, I got to be a somewhat non shitty boyfriend and, and be like, okay, we can go to Chick-fil-A. So the, that's the only reason why I even came here and tried this in the first place. But I must say this sandwich, while not like my favorite thing in the world has kind of reinvigorated an appreciation for Chick-fil-A. Like, if my girlfriend tries to drag us to Chick Fil A in the next month or two, I won't say no because I know I can try this sandwich again. And uh, this was good shit. This was this was good shit. It's really good. In fact, it's um, it almost just doesn't taste like Chick Fil A. Like when you, I don't know, maybe it's because I only ever eat Chick Fil A with like Chick Fil A sauce or no sauce at all or just a sandwich with a little mayo on it or something. Like I never, I'm not a Polynesian sauce guy. Um, and if I'm gonna do sauce, I just do Chick Fil A sauce. So there's something about ranch dressing and buffalo sauce with Chick-fil-A chicken and then mac and cheese on top of all that, that is delicious. It tastes like some Southern comfort food, but it doesn't taste like Chick-fil-A, and I kind of really appreciate that. So this sandwich is a certified W. I'm holding up three fingers to make like a W with my hand. Uh, It's a certified W. It's delicious, and if you are also fat ass, I highly recommend it. But actually, let me back it up a little bit because the Chick-fil-A app, to order this, I use the Chick-fil-A app, which I've never used before. And uh, first of all, shout out to Chick-fil-A. They have a really good app. Um, like everything about their app fucking rocks. And uh, one thing I really like about their app is they go through every everything you do when you're ordering th- your meal. They go through and tell you every con- every health consequence of what you're doing on there. So you don't just hit like I'm going to order a number one combo. It goes, no, no, no. you want to order a number one combo. OK, OK, OK. Here's a sandwich. Here's how many calories it has. Now, what do you want to do to it? Do you want to modify it? Because that's going to change the health benefits. It's like, okay. And so you're like, oh, no pickles, extra this, extra that, you know, like whatever you do to it. And then it's like, okay, well, what do you want for your side? It comes with fries, but is that what you want? And then it's like, here's the fries. Here's the nutrition benefits. Look how bad our French fries are for your body. And it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then when you're done, like customizing everything, it gives you an overview. It's like, okay, you've, you've ordered your entree here's the, the, the nutritional breakdown of your meal based on what you ordered before you go to checkout. It shows you all that. So you know exactly how many calories and whatever other stuff. I'm only paying attention to the calories, but I did notice that my chicken sandwich with a side of Mac and cheese and Buffalo and and ranch sauce came out to be a little, uh, actually slightly fewer calories than my girlfriend who just got a classic number one combo, just this chicken sandwich side of fries and a, and a coke zero that's all she got just the, the classic number one combo i'm like how the fuck is me eating a chicken a fried chicken sandwich with mac and cheese and buffalo sauce and ranch and all that garbage fewer calories than you eating just like the classic fries and a sandwich combo you know you know what i found out it's their goddamn french fries dude those french fries insane a medium french fry had like almost 800 calories in it dog shit bullshit Nonsense. So yeah, apparently I'm not saying healthier, but I'm saying Chick Fil A mac and cheese. It's uh, it's lower in calorie count than uh, than Chick Fil A French fries. So who knew? Anyway, that's it for what I've been eating. Let's move on. Um, shout out to that. Let me know if you ever tried that. I feel like at least half of you listening to this podcast, even if you've never had this sandwich, you at least know what I'm talking about because it's pretty damn difficult to exist on the internet and not have come across some version of this video i know there's some versions where they also throw the polynesian sauce in the mix as well and there's some versions where they put two chicken patties and a large mac and cheese It's like, okay i don't need to do all that but like i i know you've seen some some version of this sandwich on the internet before so anyway that's it for what i've been eating now let's move over to what i've been playing and god i feel so accomplished not as like a productive human being but as like a as like a lazy video game fan uh, because this week, for the first time in quite a while, I feel like I've really got some quality video game time in. Um, because not only did I finish Bat- Batman: Arkham Knight, I, I finished. I was uh, last week I was about halfway through the game. I finished the entire game. I also went ahead and started Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League, and I'm probably like. 70% through that game. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm more than halfway through it. I'll say that. So I have a lot to say about both of these games and I just hope, you know, I feel bad because after I beat Batman Arkham, I had so many thoughts and feelings about it. I had so much to say. And then I moved into suicide squad and now I have so much to say about that. And I'm just, I'm hoping I can kind of do both these games justice by, by, remembering to touch on all the things I want to say about both of these games. Cause I, I do have a lot to say about both of these games and I'll just preface with this spoiler alert. I know right now it's really popular to hate on suicide squad. People feel very up in arms about it. And I think there's a lot of very warranted and justifiable criticism to throw at this game. And I totally understand certain perspectives and certain criticisms that are being levied, you know, at this game. But with that said, I really am enjoying Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. I don't think it's a great game by any stretch of the imagination, but I am really enjoying playing it. I'm having a very fun experience with it. And Batman Arkham Knight, I adore that game. I fucking adore that game. I just straight up top to bottom love that game. So let's, let's, let's go in order. So Batman Arkham Knight, I basically played the other 50% of the game uh, last week. I mostly just played it all damn day Saturday. Um, save for making dinner for me and my girlfriend and going on a walk to get my steps in. I pretty much just played Batman Arkham Knight all day until 2 in the morning on Saturday. And it was the best, honest to God, the best Saturday I've had in so long. I didn't have to drive, didn't have to go anywhere, didn't have to do anything, didn't have to go to work, didn't have any adult obligation, didn't, didn't do a goddamn thing. I just played, I think I vacuumed. But other than that, I just played Batman Arkham Knight. Pretty much the whole day, and it was great. So yeah, I, I really love this game. My o- really my only complaint with this game is the 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 damn thing is like oh, it's it's eight and a half. It's gonna be nine years old at some point this year, and I had multiple moments in this game where and it was always Batmobile moments where the game froze and then crashed my Xbox, which is like how the fuck does that happen to a game that's been it's been out for like nine years? What the hell? How have you not fixed that? So that was weird. Happened twice, and it was very frustrating both times. But that is the that is the biggest complaint I have about this game, which is to say, I really love this game. I think I, I was very keenly aware. I was very I was very, very very much made aware from years and years of divisiveness about this game, where people complained about the balance of regular hand to hand combat versus Batmobile combat. And while I agree, after like the first third or so of the game, I was very much like, "Mm, I feel like this balance of regular combat versus Batmobile combat is very, very off. I will say by the end of the game, I felt like the balance was a lot better, but I could understand why someone would be disappointed with how little relative little time you spend doing a traditional Arkham style fist to fist combat versus the Batmobile combat. Um, but I feel like the second half of the game is paced so much better than the first half. And the second half of the game has so much more variety in gameplay than than the first half does, which is actually a feat in and of itself. Because I feel like much like with movies and in all kinds of media, media, usually it's like the first half. If there's ever an issue, it's always like the first half of anything blows its wad. And then the second half kind of drags and gets lame. But in this game, it's it's like it starts out great. I have some 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 qualms about it, but it just gets better and better as it ramps up. Um I'm trying to get all like the mildly negative or mixed feelings out of the way first. I'll say the story in in terms of its general scope and its premise feels derivative and basic. It does feel like it's kind of a different version of the same story as the second game Batman Arkham City, where it's like, "Oh yeah, there's some kind of like thing that's being spread and it can hurt the people of Gotham and you got to stop it. Of course, in this game, that similar threat is far more heightened and far more like the stakes are far higher and you feel that, but it's not that big of an issue because it's not really what the premise of the story is. It's, it's how well they, they implement that story through, you know, convincing world building and great character development and great, you know, voice acting and story, you know, moment to moment like writing. Um, and that's the thing is like, while this game you know the the premise of of Batman Arkham City is that like Joker has you know that tainted blood or whatever from that from that gas or whatever from the first game and like he's going to he he like infects Batman with the with the same blood so that you know now he's he and Batman are both dying and they need to find a cure and and Joker's also sent his blood out to like all these hospitals around Gotham City so now like all the, all these people are going to get infected with his blood and die and get sick and so like that's kind of the general premise of the second game but then the third game, the the premise is Scarecrow has this new this new toxin that will make people like like hallucinate and freak out and do crazy shit and basically kill one another, and he's gonna launch it and unleash it all over Gotham City and infect everyone with it. It's like okay, d- different biochemical weapon thing and uh, and uh, different villain, but pretty much the same basic premise. But. It is the way they do it. And I was talking last week about how the way this game feels different from its the previous entry, Arkham City, is that it is the same kind of open world, but it takes everything and just kicks it up a generation. Like everything about Arkham City feels like the best display of what the Xbox 360 generation could be. And everything about Batman Arkham Knight is like the best display of what the Xbox One generation could be. It is cinematic. It, the budget feels just over the top you feel the production quality and value like you like the the first batman arkham game came out in 09 the second one came out in 2011 so 2 year difference the next one came out in 2015 4 year difference you feel the extra 2 years you know the fact that they made the first sequel in two years, and then the second, the, the the next game came out in four years. You feel that extra development time. You feel that additional budget. You feel the usage of the power afforded to develop the to Rocksteady from going from Xbox 360 to Xbox One. Like you really, you you feel everything. You feel all the lessons they've learned and how they've grown and become better developers. Arkham Knight just feels like a beefed up next generation, anted up version of of Arkham City, and I mean that in the best way possible. I just think it's so, it's so good. And with every Arkham game, you feel it gets a little grittier, gets a little more realistic and tough. It goes, you know, like the first Arkham game is kind of like the comic books and, and, cartoons brought to life. And by the time you make it to Arkham Knight, it's kind of like the, um, the uh, Christopher Nolan movies brought, brought to, to, to life through video games. It's, um it just becomes so, so much more real and crushing in a way, um, in, in a way that can feel over the top and ridiculous like video games can do. Um, but in a narrative way that feels so like so like serious and like and I don't know in, in, in just engrossing in a way that in a way that I think traditionally movies have done so well, but I think games are getting really good at. Um, so I just I really really love this game. I just think it's great. The combat feels so fucking good, and that's the thing is like even the Batmobile segments. It's like I know people are a little mixed on that, but the Batmobile combat is fucking badass. You just basically turn the Batmobile into a tank. And it's awesome. You blow shit up. You just shoot other tanks, and you get to watch them explode. It's fucking cool. I love, I love mech combat. I love tank combat. I love space shooters and things like that. So any kind of video game mechanic that has some kind of DNA from like Gundams or Transformers or space shooters or anything like that to me is an instant win. And 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 blowing shit up in the Batmobile feels like that. So it's so good. Uh, but then the hand-to-hand combat feels so good as well in this game where um where it's just like. It's just so polished and there are so many new combat animations that even when you're doing the same kind of moves you would have done in one of the previous games, it just feels and looks so much more stylish and and awesome because there's just so much more animation in this game that, like, it just adds so much style and pizzazz to the combat, it's great, and there's, like, certain moments of the game, you know, not to spoil anything, but there's certain moments of the game where there are other characters you get to play alongside with, um, you, you know, and it's just, it's so, it's so cool having, like, these team-up moments where, like, you're Batman, and you're kicking someone's ass, and then, like, it's, like, you just seamlessly transition over to the other protagonist, and you get to play as them for a little bit and then you guys like team up together and like do an enemy takedown and just has this incredibly again keep coming up cinematic feel but but you're controlling it. it's not taking the control out of your hands and it's just it's just so fucking badass. And I, I really I really truly love this game. And by the end of the game I was like that was just a really beautiful trilogy. Like an excellently done trilogy top to bottom. I loved all three of these games. Really expected to walk away thinking the first one was my favorite, but I think I like each entry a little bit more than the previous one. But it is, it's kind of like splitting hairs. I would say the Batman Arkham Knight trilogy is very similar to the original Halo trilogy in, in the sense that you can say number one's your favorite, number two's your favorite, number three's your favorite, and there's no right or wrong answer. Like, when it comes to Halo... Everyone's got you know if it's it, it, like the general rule of thumb is like if you're forty your favorite game your favorite Halo is the first one, if you're thirty your favorite game is the is the is the second one, and if you're like 20, 25, your favorite Halo is Halo three. But it, it's kind of like that thing a little bit where it's split by age maybe a little bit. But there's no right or wrong answer. As a Halo three fan, uh, I, I would say you know like respect to the Halo two fans and things like that. Uh, I feel like Arkham the Arkham trilogy has a lot of that energy where it's it's just like. If you tell me your favorite one is Arkham City or Arkham uh, Asylum, that's a great choice. I, I see why you would say that, but personally, for me, it's Arkham Knight. Uh, but they're all so great, and they all have so many, you know, so many things that differentiate them and make them so special that it's like I could see why this one would be someone's favorite, even though this one's also really, really good. And I don't know. I just I get it. This is one of those experiences in entertainment where I feel like this 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 trilogy lived up to the height. You know, it's been a long time. The first game the first game is 15 years old the se- this the the third game is almost is almost a decade old at this point so i'm very late to the party on these three games and after many many years of just hearing people always talk about it always touch back to it this is everyone's favorite superhero video game series um, this is always you know a licensed video game that everyone touches back to as like the example of how to do it and whenever we get uh you know a Insomniac Spider-Man game or we get uh, like Insomniac's Wolverine or or some developer undertakes like some comic book or movie IP and tries to do it you know in a AAA style and gaming everyone always you know it's always referenced back back to Arkham the Arkham trilogy it's like oh man this is going to be like Oh, they're going to do like Avatar, but for like, like the Arkham version where they're going to put a lot of attention and care into it and try to make it a super A experience. And that's what people are hoping, right? Indiana Jones is going to be with machine games over on Xbox is that, okay, this is going to be like taking that Arkham level of love and attention to detail and putting it into the Indiana Jones IP. And so I get it. I get why people talk that way. I get why people love this series the way they do. And I, I think the hype and the love is warranted. This, this trilogy is excellent. It's really good stuff. And all three games have aged wonderfully so if you've never played them i can confirm to you as someone who just played all three in the past two months they're great they aged well go enjoy them they're wonderful so batman arkham knight put a bow in that i i I kept it installed on my xbox because i think i want to come back to it and do some of the dlc and some additional stuff around the city because even though i felt good and ready to move on to suicide squad I don't, I don't think I'm done with this game entirely. And this one in particular is on Game Pass right now. So uh, another, you know, I, I recommend playing all three in order. But, you know, if you want to just be a heathen, you can s- you jump right into this game. Um, but anyway, so I kept that on the hard drive. I plan on coming back to it at some point just to clean it up a little more. Maybe put a couple more hours into it and then, and then be done with it. But um, then I very eagerly moved over to Suicide Squad. Um, I, I downloaded it on Saturday afternoon. When I realized, I was like, okay, I'm in the home stretch. I'm at the very end of Batman Arkham Knight. I'm just going to go ahead and download Suicide Squad. Fuck it. I, I know what everyone's saying, but I know myself. I know what I like, and I'm pretty confident this is a game I want to play. I'm very excited about it. So I downloaded it, and on Sunday, I just hopped right into this bitch, you know? Uh, did our grocery shopping, did the adult things we had to do, and then I was like, Sunday afternoon? Suicide Squad, let's fucking do it. My general take on this game, after seven or eight hours of playtime, is that this game is a lot better than people are giving it credit for. There are absolutely issues, and like I said a minute ago, a lot of it is justified, but this game is way more fun than people are giving it credit for, and that is like the main word I want to focus on. The Arkham Knight series is, it's breathtaking, it is true to the character, it's true to the IP, it's, it's genre, it's like genre defining. It, it, it moves the industry forward. And I understand why it's a love letter to Batman while also being an excellent video game in being so many things. Suicide Squad is not that. It is not that. I understand there's a lot to hate. There's a lot to question and be confused about with this game. But if we can just separate it from the Arkham universe for a second and just judge it in its own silo and stop complaining about everything with live service games for a minute, the moment-to-moment gameplay of this game, the general premise of what it is, its style, its aesthetic, it's the way the way it conveys itself, its loud and over-the-top, humorous, boisterous tone is pure fun. And I, not to say this game is as good as the following games, but it is very reminiscent of experiences like Sunset Overdrive, Spider-Man, um, in some ways, Batman: Arkham Knight, and uh you yeah you get that live service stuff you get like a little bit of like division or destiny kind of that that shit it's got it's got a little bit of a borderlands in it as well but the number one game it reminds me of the most as i'm playing it is sunset overdrive which is one of my all time favorite games of the xbox one generation such a criminally underappreciated underplayed game and while suicide squad kill the justice league is by no means as good as sunset overdrive it is definitely a game I would recommend to people who love that game and wish we had more of it. It's got a very loud punk rock in your face kind of attitude. It's swinging around rooftops. It's got the same premise where it's like the trick to the gameplay is don't touch the ground. Don't stop moving. Always be jumping, always be running, always be swinging, jetpacking, flying around, boomeranging your way around rooftops and around metropolis. And Blow shit up! The guns in this game are fun; they're satisfying to play with. the The mechanics are crazy. It's one of those games where the mechanics set is very unique, and it takes a little getting used to. And it's really rewarding to learn it because once you once you learn the mechanics, it's like okay, it's kind of fun to like be swinging as Harley Quinn and then hold the swing and pull out a turre and then start mowing down enemies and then jump and, like, grapple your way onto the rooftop where the enemy you just weakened is and then, like, take your hammer and, like, freeze them and then, like, smash them into crystals of ice and then you get rewarded for it. It's got, like, that Doom thing where, depending on how you kill the enemy, you get rewarded. You can get shield, you can get health, you can get ammo depending on the style of kill you did. And it it feeds into that loop of, like, I want to keep killing, I want to keep having a stylish moveset because it rewards me, it gives me health, it gives me ammo and it enables me to keep... Keep playing, keep engaged in that kinetic, that combat. That's so so satisfying, so fun. I don't think. Uh, well, let me back up again. the 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 two main components of the gameplay are the traversal and the in the gunplay. And I think the gunplay is really strong, and I think the traversal is like really unique and really fun. But not quite as good as the games that inspire it. I think mainly like Spider Man and Un- and Sunset Overdrive. It's not quite as smooth. You know, you, you don't have like unlimited zip lines as Harley Quinn you don't have like unlimited jump power as King Shark you don't have unlimited jetpack as Deadshot um, but it's really cool and each character feels unique With their traversal specifically, because for even though they can all reach the same heights and reach the same places, they do it differently. So, for King Shark, his thing is that he has a charged jump that's like so powerful and so far and so high that you can just jump from rooftop to rooftop. And while you're in midair, you can sustain your jump by doing mini jumps while in midair. And that's it, feels really good and freeing. Um, as Harley Quinn, she like stole. Batman's uh, grappling equipment so she can like swing around like Spider-Man and grapple hook onto buildings and pull herself forward and shit. And that's the one that's like a, a little frustrating because I want it to be my favorite, but I just wish you could grapple a little more often than you can. But it feels good. It feels good. It's just I wish it could be a little better. And then Deadshot, he gets a jetpack, which is pretty cool, so you're you're, you're flying around jetpacking. Um, kind of like in Destiny, so it's really, you know, you get like a little bit of way of hopping around and kind of staying in the air at all times when you're fighting enemies. You're never really on the ground. And then Boomerangs is the most unique, but by far my least favorite way to play, which is he has this boomerang that he can throw and the, the you charge the throws, so like the further you throw it, the further you go. So like you throw the boomerang, you kind of gauge how far you want it to go, then you let go and let it fly, and then you will like zip to where the, the boomerang goes and like kind of, it's like a quick spin speed travel but it almost looks like a teleport that you do so it's like some kind of hybrid between like teleporting and flying and it's a little harder to nail than the other move styles but it's unique and it's fun and when you get the hang of it it's satisfying like you feel good like oh fuck yeah i know how to do this now and you know when it comes to the gunplay all the characters feel more or less the exact same Uh, they all use the same weapons and use them the same ways but the traversal is that kind of thing that differentiates them and you can swap between you know you know me i'm always playing single player so i'm playing the game by myself and you can swap between any of them in between missions. So, you know, and the game will encourage you to do that by being like, oh, this mission is like really more of dead shots than you want to play as same Oh no, this mission you want to be, you want to be you wanna be boomerang. So, you know, be Captain Boomerang. So like it kind of encourages you to play around with it too. And um, I just I just think it's a lot of fun. So I wanted to focus first on the gameplay mechanics because I think that's the most important thing. Gameplay is always king. And when we're not talking about the live service components, when we're not talking about the narrative and the spoilers. I think the gameplay itself is what matters the most, and the gameplay is a really solid time. Now, we'll get into the other two things, which is where the controversy starts. So let's talk about the story and the production, all that stuff. Visually and production-wise and voice acting and everything, this is one of the most impressive games I've ever seen. The facial animations, by far, in this game are are the most impressive I've ever seen in any video game ever, and I mean that with full confidence. So the game looks great, sounds great, feels great, but what sucks about it is, like, the narrative premise of this game is just so fucking cool, but it just doesn't live up to its own its own expectation. Like, you are the Suicide Squad. It's the, it's the same basic narrative plot as the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie from a few years ago. Um, basically, they, they they plant those like bombs in their heads, and they're like, "You guys have to basically do what we say and in, in exactly what we want you to do, or else we press this button, you blow up and die, and fuck you." And so, like, the Suicide Squad are basically forced. Into being sent out to battle against the Justice League because the Justice League have been uh, brainwashed by uh, Brainiac. I think Brainiac's. A, I don't. I, I feel stupid. I think he's a Superman villain. For a second, I was like he's a Batman villain, but I'm like I'm pretty sure he's a Superman villain. Could be wrong. Maybe he's a Green Lantern villain. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's Superman. But anyway, he he. You don't even see him in the game. Like I, I I haven't beaten it, so maybe you do. But he he's basically taken over Metropolis and brainwashed the the Justice League. And they're all, like, going around killing people, recruiting for Brainiac, taking citizens, taking him up to this like, mega ship and, they're like, turning him into monsters and shit. And he's trying to, like, take over Earth and, and turn it into this new planet for him and his race. And it's a really cool synopsis because it's like... The Justice League are so powerful. They're portrayed as like these godlike figures. And the game definitely sets it up. You know, It starts out in the Hall of Justice. And you're in like this museum exhibit. And they're basically just talking and going on and on about who the Justice League are. Where they come from. What makes them who they are. And it feels like you are just peons among these gods. And then you get introduced to them. And like they're all fucking corrupt and evil. And they're OP as hell. And they're just murdering swarms of... Innocent human lives and you get to see Batman and he's like fucking lurking in the shadows and like cutting the necks of police officers and hanging their corpses in in, in all all around the city and stuff. It's like it's it's like truly horrific shit. It's like so badass. It's because it's like, you know, you you never expect to see these characters portrayed in this way. So it's so fun and so exciting to play this game where it's like, wow they're really gonna lean into this narrative like the the goodest good guys in the good world of good things have turned into like the most evil decrepit little monstrous creatures and now you're the odds as improperly weighed as they are, you're tasked now with having to to kill these motherfuckers. And that's just so that's so cool. It's so fun. But so much of the interaction with these characters is just so underwhelming because even though the cutscenes can be so fucking cool you get you get like deep enough into the game where you start actually fighting the justice league and you get into some of these boss battles and you and you know spoiler alert i'm not going to talk about who and how in specifics but yes in this game you're tasked with killing the justice league and as some of these characters start to die off it's like the ways in which it happens is just a little underwhelming and they don't lean into it hard enough and they don't they don't fuck around with it enough and make it as like I don't know, like, you want it to be like that James Gunn Suicide Squad movie where it's a little, like, you know, you gotta, like, close your eyes a little bit. It's like, oh, my God, that's just too much. That's that's so over-the-top. Oh, my God, that's disgusting. But this game doesn't do that. It plays it so PG-13. It's it's a lot of, like, ooh, I shot you with the gun. Now you're dead. It's like, I don't know. I kind of want to see someone, like... I want to see someone, like, smash the Flash's face in with a fucking bat and, like, watch him bleed and then, like, put him in between a fucking car and run him over. You know, you want to see, like, crazy-ass shit happen. You want to see, like, blood and gore. It's an M-rated, ridiculous, over-the-top adult game where you play as as, as evil villains murdering superheroes. So, like, you expect it to be a little crazy. Um, but it is a little whelming when when you get to some of those moments and then beyond that i think the thing that's the most disappointing is even though the combat is really fun and even though the traversal feels really good and even though i think the game is generally a pretty fun time the mission design in this in this game is pedestrian as hell every mission is like defend this objective point from waves of enemies or like extract this item or this person from this enemy combat zone and it's just like super pedestrian. It feels like every main quest is like a destiny event type quest thing. You know like when you're you're like running around some planet on destiny and you're doing like patrol missions to like grind loot and stuff. It feels like those kinds of m- missions are the main quest line of this game. Great cutscenes, great narrative elements just with and really fun moment to moment gameplay, but just fixed all around incredibly boring, uninspired mission design. And that's extra disappointing coming off Batman Arkham Knight because the whole Arkham Trilogy is so creative with its with its missions and story beats, finding new and creative ways to use the the various uh, weapons and gadgets and and, and and things at your disposal and gameplay mechanics at your disposal to reinvent the wheel and come up with creative ways to interact with the game. Whereas Suicide Squad really is just traverse an open world, go to the next mission, kill enemies, wait till the timer's done, next mission. And in between the missions, it does the live service game thing where it's like, mission complete, here's all the loot you unlocked, level up, use the skill point, that kind of thing. And all that stuff is actually fine. I, actually, I saw a lot of people complaining about... The skill tree and the level weapon system, the rarity system, and the HUD screen being busy and over the top. I actually find none of these things to be an issue. I think it's all really tastefully done. I feel like you get really good loot all the time just from playing the game. I feel like you get lots of fun customization stuff without having to spend money. I feel like the leveling system and the skill tree is kind of fine, albeit kind of basic. And I, I just I find all that stuff to be really unintrusive and really tolerable to work with. So in the HUD, to me, doesn't bother me at all. People keep complaining about the HUD being way too busy. I think that is a grasping at straws, kind of looking for something to be mad about kind of argument. The HUD is un, unnoticeable in terms of how, you know, compared to other games, relative to other games in its genre, it's not any more or less obnoxious. So that's that's just all a lot of like nonsensical hand-reading, people looking to be upset over nothing, if you ask me. But it's, it's really not the live service stuff that makes this game rough around the edges. It is just the lack of thoughtful mission design in the... Tepidness they 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 have in and not really leaning into like these combat encounters with the Justice League and really killing them. I I think if this game had like really creative level design, like if the campaign in this game were just as enjoyable and as you know as thoughtful as like your average Destiny campaign, I would say this game is fucking great. Like go like eight out of ten, go buy it. Ignore the noise, fuck them. There's people are just saying shit. P- play this game, it's great. All you got to do is make make the campaign as interesting as a Destiny campaign in terms of its mission structure and make the combat interactions with the Justice League just a little more gruesome and tough to stomach and a little more violent and, you know, convince me that I'm a supervillain murdering a superhero, you know? Just, like, play that a little more. But otherwise, I like the game a lot. The humor's pretty great. The, the, the voice acting's great. The character interactions are great. Um, Harley Quinn's fucking awesome in this game. The, the presentations and graphics and facial animations are just out of this world. Gunplay is fun. Traversal is fun. It is exactly what I said it was last week. I said this game, all it needs to be is just a really fun 6 out of 10, you know, game that's a good time, but not necessarily a, a, a genre-defining experience. And I think it's actually a little better than I thought it would be. I would say this game's probably closer to like a 7 out of 10, maybe. It's like somewhere between like a six and a half, a 7 out of 10, where it just needs... You know, like, and they can do it over time with new content. But I'm judging the game, you know, the $70 game for what it is right now, and not what it might turn into. Um, th- it should be a little more than it is. But that being said, I I had a pretty good feeling about what it was going in, and the game slightly exceeded my expectations, but mostly met them. And I don't regret it. I was in the mood. I was in the right headspace, in the right place to want to play exactly what this game is. And while it is a far cry from being the golden child of the Arkham Trilogy that came before it is, um, it is a really fun time. And I bet if you have some buddies who like live service games or love DC characters and stuff like that, then if you can just not be a jaded butthole for 10 seconds and just accept fun, um, I think this game could be a lot of fun. Otherwise, what I would recommend for this game for most people, for the overwhelming majority of people... This is a game that will absolutely be 30-40 dollars in like 2 or 3 months. Uh so this is absolutely a a wait for a sale kind of game. Cuz I think for 40, even 50 bucks, I think this game's a pretty good value for that price point. Um but keep in mind Gotham Gotham Knights um which is only like a, is that 2 years old now? No, it's a year and a half. It's not even a year and a half old um that game is in game pass right now so it stands you know it's in in uh marvel's avengers went into game pass at 1.2 which is also a similar game i wouldn't be totally shocked to see this game go into game pass in about a year so um if you're like a, maybe i'll wait for game pass guy i think you have a good chance of seeing this game end up in game pass so between game pass or the inevitable sale in the next couple months i'd say hold off a little bit before you get this game um but I, I don't regret it. I spent 70 bucks on it. I don't regret it. I don't recommend it for many people at 70 bucks, but it's um it's it's fun. It's not as bad as people say. There's a lot of complaining that is warranted. Uh, the mission design is pathetic. Some some of the character combat encounters are a little underwhelming, but it's fun, it's funny, it's cool. And some nice palate cleanser coming off the Arkham trilogy cuz the Arkham trilogy is so serious, it's so hardcore, but like this is just fucking stupid and goofy. And um I have a feeling I'll play it for a little while. Like After the credits roll, I'll, I'll probably beat this game in the coming days, and after the credits roll, I, I think I could easily put 25, 30 hours into this game and then wait a couple months till some new stuff's happen. come back, put another 10 hours into it, uninstall it and say, that was a pretty fun game. I'm moving on with my life. I'm a healthy, well, uh, uh, well-adjusted adult, and I don't need to go on the internet and make crazy YouTube videos about why this game sucks ass uh, because I can just... I could just go enjoy it or not enjoy it and then go eat a fucking Chick-fil-A sandwich with a side of mac and cheese put on top. So why not? Uh, Anyway, that's my two cents on on Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. Take it for as you will. um, Definitely proceed with caution on it. Again, I definitely recommend a sale or Game Pass on it. But um, I'm liking it. I'm having a good time. So Always Online sucks, though. I did have this game also crash a couple times on me. Not crash, but it would be like I'd, I'd leave the game on quick resume for, like, 24 hours, come back. It would let me play half a mission and then be like, oh, I'm disconnected from the server because you didn't restart the game. And then, like, enemies would stop spawning in and the mission would just break down and then I'd have to, like, quit, close out the game, relaunch it on my Xbox, get back in, pick up where I left off, and it, that's not fun. But, um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, minor gripes. The game is, the game is a, a totally fine little romp. It's a fun little weekend romp with buddies. All right, that is it for what I've been playing. That is that is pretty much the uh, end the, the the end cap here on my Batman Arkham tirade I've been on for like what seems like two months now. I'm really excited for a couple other games I'm playing. There are like a couple other games I actually already started playing. And some other things I'm looking forward to start playing. Hopefully I can keep this momentum going because I love these modes where I'm able to just stay home, not go out, not do things, not spend money, and just really lean into my uh, my love of gaming and just play some games. I'd hopefully get a lot of that stuff knocked out. That'd be fun because I, I have a big backlog like we all do, so that'd be good. All right, that's it for what I've been playing. Let's take a quick break here and then move into the main attraction, the Xbox news, the Xbox games coming to PlayStation. What the hell is going on? Take a quick break and find out. All right, let's jump into the news. I guys, I never thought I'd be here to say it, but is this is this the is this the end of Xbox as we know it? Now, I don't mean to be clickbaity with how this comes off with the title of this episode. I don't know. I think we'll, we'll get into it. I tried to structure out my thoughts in in the news here in a way that's like chronological and also not not completely nonsensical with, you know, cuz there's going to be a lot of perspectives to try and look at this from, but I don't know. I I I know I speak for at least some portion of Xbox fans out there when I say this, which is without the console itself, Xbox as a community, as a brand, doesn't mean as much to a lot of us or really doesn't matter to us at all, you know, without without that box, because that is the focal point of it all, right? It's like Xbox is a home console gaming brand. And I know that as has been speculated and predicted for many years at this point, there will be a future, we're all gaming, whether it's PlayStation, Xbox, something entirely new, Google Stadia, whatever the hell it is. We'll basically just be gaming apps that you stream content to your devices from the cloud, You know, whether it's your iPhone or some Android device or a TV, whatever it is. But I feel like Xbox is prematurely marching to this place when they don't have. There is still a way for them to be... A bigger player than they currently are, and it does feel like, based on the news we're about to talk about, they are shooting themselves in the foot and marching towards that inevitable future prematurely, and I don't... Maybe it's a good thing in the long run, but it doesn't need to happen this way, and... I think rightly so, a lot of fans are pissed off. I'm of a couple minds with this whole story, but I'm... um, Let's just get into it. Okay, so what I've basically done is, in chronological order, I put the three pieces of evidence that really got us to where we are and then capped off by Phil Spencer's response to it all. And then, keep in mind, I mean, this isn't something new we've been talking about. Basically, since Christmas, Tim Stewart and Satya Nadella of Microsoft have been hinting at this stuff for a long time. Satya Nadella talks about whining to support all kinds of platforms, software company putting things on all kinds of platforms. Tim Stewart, a little less elegantly, straight up called out PlayStation, wanting to put things on PlayStation. And so, despite Sarah Bond's comments from a couple years back, and Phil Spencer's repeated comments over the years, it seems like the people at Microsoft that really matter, you know, the CEO, the COO, people like that, are having kind of a little bit of a a stronger say in what the future of Xbox is, compared to the people a couple rings lower you know a couple steps lower on the on the ladder uh, in, in this case with uh, you know the CEO of gaming Phil Spencer and and uh, I, I, what I don't what's Sarah Bond's official title? like head of head of hardware or something like that although ironically it sounds like for as much as they've been propping her up over the years, it seems like her job is out the door pretty soon here <coughs> with where they're headed. But I, I say that jokingly. I don't I don't mean for that to be the case. I like Sarah Bond, and I hope she has a secure career with Microsoft. Anyway, let's uh, stop being silly and, and just jump into it. So starting with evidence number one, that's why I've labeled this. And this is all coming from Xbox Era, who props them, broke a lot of this. VGC, who relayed from other sources, and The Verge. Um, who also broke a lot of this so evidence one a data miner has uncovered the most compelling evidence yet that hi-fi rush may be coming to ps5 and nintendo switch earlier in the week the game received a new update celebrating its first anniversary giving players t-shirts to wear in-game four of these shirts are available on all existing versions of the game xbox steam and epic game stores Sorry, three of them. While uh, each platform gets its own exclusive shirt, however, there are four shirts. Players of the Xbox version get a shirt that says Shadow Dropped, a reference to the fact that the game was surprise released. Epic Game Stores players get a shirt that simply says Unreal and then it's crossed out and says Epic. You know, Epic Games, Epic, you know, okay. And the Steam owners of the game get a shirt that says be positive a reference to its overwhelmingly uh, positive user reviews on Steam. So that all makes sense, right? However, Tumblr user random Katai data mined the latest update and found textures for not for a fourth shirt in the exclusive Xbox Epic Steam ones that were already aforementioned, but also two other new shirts which aren't currently in the game that appear to have made for a future PlayStation 5 or Nintendo Switch port. The apparent Switch shirt is red and says, Rock Out Anywhere, a reference to the Nintendo Switch's portability, while the blue shirt says, I'm here, baby, which appears to reference the game finally arriving on PlayStation 5 after a year of Xbox exclusivity. So that's evidence one. That confirms things, but let's move on. Right, we've talked about Sea of Thieves or, or or Hi-Fi Rush coming to PlayStation. You know, oh, one games a games as a service and it's older, and one game it's a smaller game and it's Japanese developed and and you know it's it's not fair that it's not on a platform with a Japanese audience. So it's like the people who made it don't even get to share it with their market. So it's like there's all these arguments. Smaller game, it doesn't matter as much. You can double dip and make the money on the back end. By putting on other platforms after a certain time period, whatever, right? So, evidence two. This is where Xbox Era comes in. Says according to their sources, which remain anonymous, the list of Xbox the list of list of games Xbox plans to bring over to platforms like PlayStation Five also include Bethesda Game Studios Starfield. This is uh, directly from Xbox Era. They say, quote, according to sources, we understand that currently Microsoft are planning a launch for Starfield on PlayStation 5 post the release of the already announced Shattered Space expansion for Xbox and PC, which is on target to arrive at some point later this year. We've also been informed that Microsoft have made additional investments into PlayStation 5 dev kits to support ongoing development efforts, adding further fuel to fire. End quote according to oh uh, further on actually according to our sources Microsofts senior leadership have reportedly debated the various pros and cons of releasing more of their exclusive software elsewhere and internally not everyone is necessarily happy with the decision but recouping the potential money left on the table by releasing elsewhere has arguably won out so again, Back to what we said before, I know Phil Spencer said some things, I know Sarah Bond has said some things, but they're not the highest ranking people at the $3 trillion company, Microsoft. Sachin Nadella is, and people like Tim Stewart are. So that brings us to evidence point three, because you can, you know, evidence point one, it's like, okay, I believe it. Evidence point two, it's like, wouldn't be surprised, but holy shit, that's a big deal. Evidence point three, but it gets crazier. Microsoft is reportedly considering bringing Gears of War to PlayStation. So thus far, we've talked about Hi-Fi Rush and Starfield, two games which come from Bethesda, uh, a publisher that Microsoft acquired a couple years ago. And we've talked about Sea of Thieves, while an internal game from an internal studio rare, you know, an older live service game, maybe not as crazy, a big blow, but not as crazy. Now we're getting into the the core meat and potatoes of Xbox, Gears of War. The only thing bigger than that is Halo. Well, this is according to Giant Bomb's Jeff Groh, who has has elaborated on recent claims that Microsoft is working on a new initiative to release more Xbox-exclusive games on other console platforms. And when we say other, we mean PlayStation, right? Sometimes Nintendo, but PlayStation, because that's the other guy. The other one one that I've heard is definitely under consideration. It doesn't mean that's going to happen, but it's in talks. It's Gears of War, said Grubb on Monday. Gears of War is being considered for this, he reiterated. Grubb also said that Microsoft was at one point planning to publicly explain its new initiative at the end of February, but that given the mounting speculation, there's a chance the official announcement could be brought forward. Uh, More on that in just a minute here, quote, the other thing I can corroborate is a rumor that there will be something at the end of February where they're going to explain this change, that it's something that they are definitely talking about. I know that for a fact. So there we go. Well, I know that for a fact. He didn't say I I threw that in there. Okay. So it's like, hi, fi rush, it's like, uh, you you shouldn't, but uh, okay. That's kind of stupid, but okay. Starfield's like, what the fuck, man? That was like our big exclusive. What are you doing here, man? Just came out like half a year ago. What are you doing? Gears of War. It's like, all right, now you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. What the fuck is this about? I mean, sorry, that's arguably more like you're throwing out the baby, and keeping the bathwater. Like, I don't even know what that what that would be in this case. It's just like, what is this? All right, well, the internet lit a fire, and everyone said their thing, and Xbox fans flipped the fuck out. And um, I mean, dude, we have freaking like, th- there's some of those like some of those like Xbox Twitter people, you know, whose like entire identity is based around like their fandom for Xbox, like they don't have like faces and names, they just like, Xbox God, 649, like those kinds of people, like fucking like resigning from Twitter and like selling their Xboxes and posting their GameStop receipts and stuff. It's like, it's, it's dude, it's fucking all out there right now. Okay, like the Titanic is sinking for some of these people and uh, and Xbox has gotta do something. So thankfully they didn't do nothing but they did do exactly what we needed them to, and I understand why. You're a huge company like Microsoft. You can't just speak about whatever, whenever. You know these things got to be internally workshop. So people like who are like Phil Spencer, you better talk right now at Phil Spencer on Twitter. You better talk right this fucking. S-. Like okay, calm down, man. Like this stuff has all got to go through so many channels and it has to be PR workshop a million which ways to hell and back. Like they can't just say whatever. Like this stuff's got to be thoroughly discussed, hashed out, agreed upon, and workshopped before they can make responses. So Phil Spencer did come out and say something on Twitter. So his response talks about it's it. So, so Microsoft says that they're going to share details about the vision for the future of Xbox. So with the speculation mounting, people freaking out. Phil Spencer wrote on X, quote, we're listening and we hear you. We've been planning a business update event for next week. When we look forward to sharing more details with all of you about our vision for the future of Xbox, stay tuned. And that's what he wrote. So immediately giving Jeff Grubb way more credibility, which he didn't need because Jeff Grubb's already incredibly reliable. He's, he's, he's a great source. So immediately we know that everything Jeff Grubb's saying is true. We already knew that the Hi-Fi Rush shit was true. And now the Starfield shit's being thrown in on top of it. So it's just like a fucking shit Sunday. He, here's the thing. Has Xbox come out and say anything yet? No. Do I feel a hundred percent confident in saying that? Yeah, these are true. These these rumors are true. See if these Hi-Fi Rush, Starfield, Gears of War, these all these games, maybe to varying degrees, maybe some more than others, right? Have been considered to be brought over to PlayStation. And the Nintendo thing is like a lot less, like pre, you know, like people are a lot less up in arms about the Nintendo thing. Ideally, you don't try to put Starfield on Switch or something like that if you could even get it on there. But you know, like the the bigger thing here is it's like especially PlayStation because. PlayStation is the most direct competitor Xbox has. You know, if if PlayStation has Xbox's first-party games, then what reason is there to ever buy an Xbox? And it's just that plain and simple. So I get why people are mad. I get why Xbox and Phil Spencer aren't able to say something right now. Although I think every day they don't say something is is probably making the situation worse. Because this is not one of those things where it's like, people are upset, just let it blow over. People will, people will calm down and forgive you. Forgive you, just give it some time. This is not one of those things. This is like this is like doomsday. Like they got they got the only thing that's gonna calm people down on this is when they talk. And it's gonna depend on what they say. My assumption based on the comments from the highest ranks at Microsoft versus all the insider information and leaks and rumors coming from these very reliable sources, for the most part, you know, I'm, I don't I don't mean to discredit or credit random cat, cat tie on Tumblr, I don't know who that is, but you know, these Jeff Grubb type people, these reports we're getting from The Verge and, and, and the likes of that, like, pretty reliable people. Um, I, I believe all of it, I believe all of it, I believe all these games are in some way, shape or form being considered for or actively ported over to PlayStation. I believe Microsoft is absolutely planning on doing this. And I believe that there is a lot of internal strife at Xbox where a lot of important people and people with a heavy saying things don't want this to happen. They're aware. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the people who don't who, who who's trying to make sure this doesn't become a reality is Phil Spencer. I, I really wouldn't be surprised. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if it's Sarah Bond because what the fuck is the point of your job if Xbox is getting out of consoles? But we'll get into that in a second. But I really wouldn't be surprised if Phil Spencer's like, look, I I, I know gaming. I understand we leave a lot of money on the table by by funding really expensive games like Starfield and then not putting them on the console with the highest install base where we're just basically leaving millions and millions of copies sold on the table. I get that. You cannot put this on the other person's platform. This game, it means too much because the thing is, this is like the perspective check that I feel like sometimes we need to have, which, and I don't hear this said enough, is like one of the reasons why PlayStation is able to run so nimble or run such a tight ship, right? And make the right decisions, seemingly make the right decisions more often than not. I mean, PlayStation, they fuck up and have bad days too, but especially in recent history, not nearly as much as Xbox and not nearly to the extent of Xbox. And this is the reason why. Sony is a much smaller company that lives and dies by the success of PlayStation. It is the most important aspect of their business. So they are going to play a high a hard, a, a harder ball, run a tighter ship and play way closer to the chest. Because the successes and the failures of PlayStation directly determine the future success and failure of Sony. Microsoft is a multi-trillion dollar company, the highest valued company in the entire world. And gaming, while since acquiring Activision and Call of Duty has grown to be their number three highest revenue generating industry they're involved in, is ultimately not a video game company. And the video game aspect of their business, while growing and important, is by no means the most important thing they're involved in. And it is clear as day from all the quotes and all the times Satya Nadella has spoken regarding video games over the years. You know, no disrespect to him. He seems like a a pretty good CEO. He's not a games guy. He doesn't understand gaming. He's definitely not the guy to be spearheading and leading a a gaming division. But he is in some way, not as directly because he's appointed people like Phil Spencer to do it on his behalf. But at the end of the day, he's the CEO. The buck stops with him. And it is clear as day that his desires and the higher ups at Microsoft as a whole want Xbox to generate more money because Xbox costs a lot of money to operate. There's a lot of money into R&D. Games are incredibly expensive to make. And now they're running this subscription service, which I don't care what your favorite Xbox YouTuber told you, doesn't make money and is very, very expensive to run. And I don't care what any of the guys at Xbox said on Twitter. And I don't care what any of the speculations and napkin math told you. Game Pass doesn't make money. It doesn't mean we need to give a shit about it. It doesn't mean we need to freak out about it or or go to defend or for or against it. But the truth of the matter is Game Pass costs so much fucking money to operate and they want to see a return on investment. And we know from leaked internal documents from the from the Activision uh, hearings last summer that subscriber numbers with Game Pass are nowhere near where they need to be internally. They're not growing, the subscriber number is flat. It's in like the low 20, 20 million range and it's it's it, the number's not moving at all. I wouldn't be surprised if they're slowly losing people. And then the, the hardware business is is down. It's like it's it, they're in a bad position right now. And so I understand how the suits at the top, there go, Phil, Phil and the team, whatever you're doing, it's not working, we need to make money. The other guys, those PlayStation guys, they have like 5 billion times more hardware units moved than we do. Let's take these expensive fucking games and put them on their platform and sell them. Make some money. You can, you know, we can drive subscribers through Game Pass that way by saying, what would you rather do? Buy Starfield for 70 bucks or subscribe to Game Pass for 15? I I get it. It's a great value proposition. Either way, you get the consumer, whether they buy the thing a la carte or subscribe to Game Pass. It's a great way to get some return on investment. I get it. It's short-sighted is the problem. And this is the problem with these kinds of companies. It's I see this with Disney all the time. That's why I, that's why I fucking get this. Is because I'm so tired of unfortunately being so like into like Xbox and Disney park theme parks and these business models that are run by these corporations that are like too big to fail and run by these incompetent jackasses that just don't understand dog shit. Sorry that that last comment's more geared towards Bob Iger and less towards Sachin Nadella. But nonetheless, I don't really give a shit about CEOs anyway, so I don't fucking care. the The main point being. These, these two big-to-fail companies are always spearheaded because this is what they do. This it's, They just grow. They buy. They acquire. They merge. And they end up stuck in all, with their tendrils in all these different business models that they don't fucking understand. And because of these massive entities with no repercussion for anything they do, they just lean on the ears of these quote-unquote experts that tell them you know, which way the wind's blowing, what they need to be doing. And that's how businesses like Microsoft are run. And the thing is, I believe Phil Spencer's competent. I believe Sarah Bond and all these leadership folks at Xbox, I believe that these guys, for the most part, I'm a little questionable about Matt Booty, to be honest, but I, I believe that a lot of these guys know what's best for Xbox. And I really do think Phil Spencer, in a lot of ways, is like kind of one of the best executives we've ever had in the games industry because he's he he very much does come from the perspective of the gamer and what's good for developers and what's good for gamers and what what the people want. He understands and gets that, but he's pigeon At the end of the day, by a company that can one day look the other way and be like, we don't give a shit what that little Xbox team is doing, which is a lot of what we had during the years of the Xbox one in particular, which is how we ended up in so much of the hole we're in right now. And then on a dime, be like, all right, we just spent all this money on Activision. We got this big expensive subscription service we've been running for a little while. Let's suddenly start giving a shit about Xbox. And that's what happens is these big corporations, they turn a blind eye while the Xbox One flails and does whatever it does. And then they just decide to start paying attention one day once you bought an Activision and started a Game Pass. And the problem is these people don't fucking know what's going on. They don't don't know what's best for the brand. They don't know what the consumer wants. They just know money they're purely profit driven and they end up making a lot of short sighted decisions as a result of that we see this a lot this is this is literally the exact conversation we're having in the Disney theme park community right now which is like the the current Disney administration doesn't understand Disney they think people just want you to put fucking like toy story and disney movie characters all around the parks and it, it'll be a happy day it's like you're you're destroying the integrity of your parks you don't understand what you're doing and and right now there's a whole like fucking civil war within among disney fans about how they're destroying the theme parks right now by making them more soulless and just this, this this fucking synergy machine for Disney Plus and these fucking terrible sequels they're making whereas we're starting to see this similar thing happen with Xbox where it's like Phil Spencer from the team like they, they they know what they're doing they finally got the wheels of motion something's happening and now the higher ups are stepping in and they're here to fuck shit up they're like what do you because the thing about Game Pass is it was always a gamble it was, Game Pass was always a gamble and this is where we'll get more specific and try to make a clearer point so talking about Disney Game Pass was always a gamble and and, and this was always this was always the contingency, like it, the whole thing kind of like lived and died on from my perspective, which was that if you can get enough studios and enough of a first party exclusive portfolio together, you could potentially build a future, build a, a, a moment in time. Right. And that's all it needs to be is at least a 12 to 24 month stretch, because that's all you need to figure out if this model works or not. But you need one of these these stretches, these 12 to 24 month stretches where Game Pass is. Is on fire, and Game Pass still hasn't had one of these moments, and that's the problem. From my perspective, as someone who's been watching Xbox, you know, albeit from an outsider's, you know, from a long distance as an outsider, um, but who's been following Xbox for a long time, it's like this is how I see it, and I'm pretty sure this is just about exactly what Xbox has has needed in order for this to work out, which is that Game Pass needs a 12 to 24 month stretch where it's on fire, and what I mean by that is you have a steady Cadence release schedule of really good, really desirable, highly regarded, talked about, highly played exclusive games. I know it's a lot to ask. That's a lot. So think about like this. When did Netflix start transitioning from the TV show and moving streaming service slash DVD rental service to like the home brand name? We all know it and love it for today. It's when they started getting a steady stream of excellent in-house made exclusive TV shows that people went nuts for. Orange is the new black H- house of cards, stranger things eventually, right? Like those are the things that took Netflix from like, Oh, you mean I can watch dumb and dumber too and meet the Fockers on a, uh, uh, all on one streaming service for $9 a month. It's like, that's how we went from that to like this ubiquitous household brand thing that everyone has a subscription to. And we're glued to this thing permanently. Right because they had really great content original exclusive content game pass still hasn't had that because even though game pass has been great since its inception you know it launched with sea of thieves and you could play relatively new xbox first party games at the time like gears of war 4 which was only about a year old at the time that game pass had started and things like that you know forza horizon 3 or whatever it was uh it was great it's like this is a great start but you can imagine a future where game pass is like, and we got a new halo game and we got a new gears of war game and we got a new fucking original IP and we got this and it's all day one. And that was kind of the promise in the late Xbox one generation is like, if we can get to that place, we'll be golden. And then 2018 was that moment where they're like, Hey, we just bought Double Fine, we just bought Obsidian, we just bought, you know, all all these different teams, and we're building up the first party, and then we got bombshell news stories in the early Xbox series generation, where it's like, we're buying Bethesda, we're going to try to buy Activision, all this shit, and so it's been this really long, drawn-out build-up towards that, that thing I'm saying, the thing they need is a 12 to 24-month stretch, where they have like, And Fable comes out. And then four months later, we got a Vowed. And then five months later, we got a fucking new Forza. But then two months after that, we got a new brand new IP from Double Fine. And then this, you know, we need, that's what we need. And we almost got there in 2021, but it was a little like, you know, Halo Infinite was a little all over the place. Forza Horizon 5 was a pretty good get. And then it was just kind of, you know, Microsoft Flight Simulator was a little too niche. It was, it was almost there. And then 2022 was just this fucked up, dry, miserable waste of a year. And then 2023 was also almost there. It was like Hi-Fi Rush. Really great surprise launch, garnered a lot of attention, great reviews, but it's a little too niche of a game. And it wasn't like a must play game. It was like a game for gamers, people in the know to like stop and maybe pay attention to. But for the most part, you know, it's, it's it's a game for like industry people. Um, okay. And then Redfall. Ah, Redfall missed the market. It ended up being such a fucking failure for them. Ah, man. Fully that game was great. And then Starfield. And for some reason, Starfield ended up being a little bit controversial and like only living up to some of its potential in, in some ways and not being the water cooler thing that it needed to be, but kind of also being that thing at the same time. And then Forza, uh, Forza Motorsport came out at the end of the year. And, you know, that was another Forza game. I'm sure it did well. But it's just like one of those things where it's like, ah, 2023 was almost one of those moments and here we are it's 2024 beginning of the year we have another opportunity for it to be one of those moments it doesn't even have to be a calendar year i'm not saying like you have between january and december to make this happen like we just need a rolling 12 to 24 month period like an 18 month period where you have something to this effect in place where you can imagine if xbox comes out the gate these games don't get delayed, these games all get like B, B pluses on Metacritic or higher, and they they garner enough attention, you know, from word of mouth, water cooler moment type games. You get Hellblade 2, a couple months later, you get Avowed, a couple months later, you get Indiana Jones, a couple months later, you get, and now I'm just making stuff up here, you get Fable, you get a couple months later, you get Gears, whatever, you know, whatever it is, uh, State of Decay 3. And these games come out one after another and like, oh shit, they're good games. Like you, Hellblade comes out and it's one of those like industry darlings where it's like, oh, this game is so amazing. It moved me nine out of 10 IGN, you know, like you get one of those games and then Avowed comes out and people are like, oh yes, yeah, so if you like games like stuff, Star- like Elden Ring, you will... What am I trying to say? Not Elder Ring. If you like games like Elder Scrolls, this game's for you. That's wonderful. Uh, the 8.9 out of 10, oh, IGN, not enough water. And then, you know, you get Indiana Jones and it comes down to like, finally, Xbox has its answer to Spider-Man. It's a 9 out of 10. It's a fucking great game. And all your coworkers are like, yo, you see that new Indiana Jones game? I have to pick me up an Xbox, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you can hit that successfully and you don't have a red fall and your big game, like Indiana Jones, doesn't go the way of Starfield and kind of like, you know, it kind of like comes out the gate strong, but also like kind of slips and falls and hurts its knee on the way there, you know, across the finish line. If you don't have that, and I know it's so hard to pull that off. It's it's hard to manufacture a, a moment like, like an Elden Ring or a moment like a Baldur's Gate 3, but if you can have something to that effect, a strong cadence of like and it's only on xbox and you can get it for through through your game pass subscription and if you want to play it natively you got to get an xbox and you can get in as low as 300 with the xbox series s and it's not on playstation and fuck you nintendo switch if you have that moment man then that is when we will find out does game pass work or does game pass not that's when you will find out if we get out of the stagnant 20 something million game pass subscribers and we start to shoot and rock it up to 30 million or whatever Or do we stay flat? And if we stay flat, or if you, God forbid, you go down in subscriber count, that's when you know. If the hardware doesn't start to sell higher, if the subscription count for Game Pass doesn't start to incline up like dramatically, then you know Game Pass didn't work. It's a great idea. It's a great value. Those of us who got to enjoy it while it was around really got a lot out of it, and it was a great time. But then we know, and we as fans also have to be honest with ourselves. It's like, okay, this isn't sustainable. It doesn't work. The market has responded, and they don't want to subscribe to games this way. They want to buy games a la carte. That's it. I'll give up. I'll throw in the towel, and I'll say we're good. But the problem is we've waited for so many years at this point, and we still haven't had this moment. We still haven't had this 18-month stretch with banger after banger, and and Phil Spencer talks about this. He talks about trying to get a big game out like one every quarter. You can tell that's what the vision is. You can tell that's what Phil Spencer and the team are working towards. And that's why I, you know, despite it all, like I I, I want to believe in Phil Spencer and I want to believe in the team at Xbox. And I wanna I wanna be like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm I see what you're trying to do, and I and I'm for that vision. I support it, and I want to be here for. It. I want to be here to play these games and, and and be a part of this community and be like, fuck yeah, when we reach that moment, but. We just haven't got that. We fucked it up in 2021. Well, I shouldn't say we, because all, all I do is buy your games and play them. You fucked it up in 2021, but you were close. You, you really dropped the ball in 2022. In 2023, I, I think you got snubbed a little bit, but let's be honest. I mean, you can't. It, it is what it is. People either respond to your shit or they don't, and they didn't respond the way they needed to. So they're almost there, man. And if the higher ups at Xbox at Microsoft, at the Satya Nadella's and the Tim Stewart's could really understand this vision and really buy into it. And maybe they maybe they, maybe they, they gave Phil Spencer a couple of years and said, we hear you, we see your vision, we'll give you a couple of years to figure out if it works. But if by this this time period we don't have solid results, we got we to gotta do something. We got to change the, the direction of the ship. And maybe that's where we were at, is where they're saying, man, you had 2022, you fucked it up. You had 2023, you fucked it up. Now we're stepping in and we're saying, no, these games got to go on PlayStation. They're too expensive to make we're not making money off of them the subscriber count is not growing the, the the hardware is not doing even as well as the last generation and the last generation wasn't doing nearly as well as we wanted it to do like no we're selling this shit on PlayStation end of discussion and so you get it it's a business it's being run like a business and when and when microsoft doesn't live and die by the the Xbox brand they can afford to be flippant and irresponsible and ridiculous like this like how they're being because they're microsoft Because they could fold Xbox tomorrow, and it wouldn't fucking matter. Well, it would have an impact. They would take a hit. But in the long run, it wouldn't matter. They could decide this is a market we no longer wish to be in, and they could pull out, and that would be that. Just like when Disney pulled out of gaming and canceled (laughs) Disney Infinity 3.0. But anyway... Joking aside, I mean, like, that's that, and that I think is the reality of what we're staring at. And I just, before we get all like the emotional, personal thoughts and feelings about like, well, I don't like this idea, or I do like this idea. What do I care if PlayStation people can play my Xbox games? Or like, oh, that's it. I'm selling my Xbox. Xbox is over. I want to put all that forward because I think that is at the heart of what's going on here. And I don't know. I don't have inside sources. I don't talk to any of these people. I don't, I don't, I don't get invited out to Xbox things and have fucking higher ups at xbox in my dms and shit so this is all outsider looking in pure speculation trying to read the tea leaves but i think at the very least i'm somewhat on target with this i'm I'm pretty confident in that i want to read a comment here from mike clark who says the soap opera that is xbox starring philip spencer is trying their best to get to the next year's grammys for best drama seriously there uh, is 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 there a rake xbox hasn't stepped on yet but that's what that's and I mean, I think you're you're touching on it. And, and it's it's kind of what I'm getting at, which is that this is what the, we all see it. You know, the, the Phil Spencer interview was kind of funny last year. Um, this the layoffs and all the chaos that ensued as a result of that. The You guys proud you, you everyone championed the uh, Activision acquisition. Then 2000 people lost their jobs. You happy? We don't have a single fucking Call of Duty on Game Pass. And now we're about to give up all these Halo and Gears of War games and Starfield and all this shit. to PlayStation like it. None of it's worth it. The reason we're seeing all this stuff happen, I think, is because this is what happens when a business is a complete mess behind the scenes and the people in charge, i.e. Phil Spencer, Matt Booty, Sarah Bond, don't have control over the situation. They don't have control over everything that's going on. This is why Xbox always has some shit in the news is because at the end of the day, they are a piece of a bigger puzzle of, of a bigger of a bigger entity. And they don't have final say and right now there's somewhat of a internal tug and pull a civil war if you will about how to go forward with xbox what the model needs to be and i understand man like i i i i fucking yearn for those steve Ballmer days man i know people don't look at those days as the best years of xbox and the best years of microsoft but man if you're if and i don't mean to like gatekeep or gaslight in any way but like i gotta say this man If you consider yourself a fan of Xbox or a fan of Microsoft, like you like Surface and Windows and all that shit, like, man, you got to be fucking crazy to think that the Steve Ballmer years were not the best years for Xbox. I don't give a shit how Microsoft was doing in the stock exchange. I don't care how much better Apple was doing. I care about what I was getting as a consumer. And when Steve Ballmer had this vision of what if Xbox, but like Apple, and they tried so fucking hard to lean into this like Closed ecosystem, consumer focused, hardware driven company. We were getting the best shit, man. Xbox One, I don't care what the fucking video game people tell you on IGN and in the YouTube videos. Xbox One was fucking awesome. I know there was drama about the way they revealed it and the always online, the DRM, the shit that PlayStation was also doing, but backed out of because of how it blew up in Xbox's face and the stuff that the whole industry was moving towards anyway. So it's it's so silly that it's so silly that. We act like Xbox were the only ones who wanted to even do that. It it, it it blows my mind because those years were so good. Windows Phone, Windows 8, Surface, Xbox One. Everything was fucking awesome. It was so good from a consumer perspective. And then you get to the Satya Nadella years and he's like, no, he's a lot more Bill Gates about it. He's like, no. We work with everyone. We put our apps everywhere. We try to be on every platform. And, and the thing about Sachin Nadella he's clearly a great CEO. He knows how to make Microsoft an attractive, profitable company. But with him, with, with, with his arrival, died this vision of Microsoft having ecosystems and controlled environments. And that's why we lost Windows Phone. And that's why... Uh, everything that is Windows looks like a fucking iPad knockoff nowadays and why, like, everything that is, you know, Microsoft isn't even like Windows anymore. Microsoft is like, oh, now you have Office on your Android, you know, yeah. through an app and all this stuff. It's like, it's not to say these things shouldn't exist. It's just that Microsoft as an, as an entity as a whole, especially under Sachin Nadella, has been all about moving away from our hardware, our platform. We're a software company. We're a software company. We're a software company. And now that AI is a growing thing for them, and, and, and Azure cloud technology is a growing thing for them, and these are their big revenue generators. It's like they ju- they just care about being present everywhere technology exists. If, if if you have a CPU and some RAM, they want Microsoft shit on that device. And now that 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 ethos is starting to seep its way into Xbox, which was the last beacon in the entire Microsoft wheelhouse of closed down, proprietary, our ecosystem, our way it's our little Microsoft bubble. And now that's going away too. They're trying to get rid of that too. And I, I, if, if you, if you didn't, if you don't like the idea of, of Microsoft bringing their games, their Xbox games to other platforms, it's like, this should have been obvious a long time ago. And I think they're a little prematurely jumping the gun. And while we all assume this is inevitably where gaming is going to end up anyway, one day that everything's just going to be streaming and gaming accessories and streaming sticks and fucking smart TVs and tablets. I just I just don't think Xbox needs to be there just yet. And and I think the biggest thing from a consumer so now we've attacked it a lot from like the perspective of like what Microsoft's doing and why we're here. Now let's talk about it a little bit from the perspective of let's talk about it from the perspective of a consumer and let's kick it off with a comment from Kronky, and then I'll get into my thoughts on that. Because I think there's two main schools of thought here from the consumer perspective, but within that, there's a bunch of other ways to dissect it as well. So Kronky says. Okay, so I'm sure the main topic next week is going to be about about the absolute hair on fire bedwetting meltdown that many in the Xbox Fanboy Club are having, even the more level-headed like Jez, corden and tom warren this is a bunch of nothing if games come to playstation a year after xbox that is a win for everyone i'm happy that i get to enjoy games like horizon or days gone on pc and i'm happy that ps5 games get to uh get to play pc P- sorry ps5 gamers get to play starfield and whatever else this is not necessarily the end of xbox hardware but it, if it is that genuinely sucks but still people need to calm down i'm pretty darn sure this is being overblown cronky i I see your point of view, and I think my knee-jerk reaction was to be a lot more in line with where you are, but I think I overall lean a little bit more to the opposing side, uh, the, the opposite perspective here, which is that, let me try to, here, this is like my little thing I, I wrote while I was like thinking at, while driving and then pulled over and then wrote this down on my phone real quick. This is, yeah, so I guess, this is it, let me paraphrase. It depends on what 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 future of Xbox you think is possible and which one you're okay with. Does that make sense? It depends. It depends how you see the future of Xbox. Like the thing is, if you, if you release a game like Starfield, it's an Xbox exclusive. And then a year later you go, okay, we made all the money from steam sales. We got a bunch of subscribers on game pass. We even sold a couple copies to Xbox users. We, we did the thing right now. The hype has died down. And we know that PlayStation has a massive install base and there's a lot of money to be made there. We're going to go drop it on PlayStation now for 70 bucks with all the DLC and all the updates and everything. And we're going to double dip and make a bunch of money. The thing is, immediately I understand how that pisses people off because it's like, okay, so Xbox gets like play games before it gets DLC. And when in the early days, when like the game's rough around the edges and needs updates and day one patches and shit. And then when the game's like a complete full product, you can re-release on PlayStation. So that's a little shitty, but... The bigger thing is I call that the double dip theory. And while it sounds good on paper because it's like a win-win, right? It's like, what do I fucking care? It's like, I still get the game before the PlayStation player and I get the game included in my Game Pass subscription. So I ultimately pay less because I get all these games included in my subscription that I have anyway, including the $70 game that PlayStation players have to pay for. So it's like, what do I care? I I get that theory, but you got to follow the logic a little further because the thing with this double dip theory is that Xbox as a brand will thrive under this under this model. I think the Xbox logo in Game Pass and the studios owned by Xbox and Xbox game or Xbox game studios and Xbox publishing will continue to persist and be just fine under this double dip model. But what's going to happen is after a little while of doing this, the consumers going to get wise to the pattern. And it's going to destroy Xbox as a hardware brand because what will happen is like people like, you know, Sony hasn't been putting their games on PC for that long, but it's been long enough now that people get the pattern. Okay, new PlayStation game. It comes to PlayStation. It's good. It's fun. We play it. And then two years later, they get it on PC. And I know PlayStation's fucking around with it a little bit because right now Helldivers 2 is about to be a day one PC game along with PlayStation 5. I get that. But. For the most part, people have already caught wise to that. So people like myself, this is why it's such a great example is because I literally fall into this category. I I want to play PlayStation five games. I do not want to buy a PlayStation five. So what I've made the decision to do is I will just play PlayStation five games two years after they come out on PC with all the DLC included after the hypes died down and I can continue to play Xbox as my primary platform because PlayStation is just going to bring their games to PC and Sony will never sell me a PlayStation 5 as a result. That's fine because PlayStation's already too big to fail anyway, so it's not an issue for them. Microsoft, at least Xbox, is not too big to fail. They can fail, especially in the hardware space. So what's going to happen is people are going to catch, catch on to this and they're going to go, okay, oh, Starfield's coming out. That game looks cool on Xbox. Oh, yeah. You know what? I'll just wait a year for it to come to PlayStation. I don't mind. I'll just play it next year. I'll, I'll buy it for 70 bucks next year. That's fine. I'll just get it then. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Uh, Indiana Jones in the, in the in the Great Circle. Oh, that that that, that game looks cool. Okay, cool. Um, I'll just wait till next year. I'll, I'll get next year. Um, Xbox players can play it now, and whatever. I'll miss out on the initial hype, and I'll go play one of the many many other games on PlayStation right now. That's awesome, and then I'll come to Indiana Jones in a year. That's fine. And what's going to happen is you've now officially given PlayStation users no reason to ever buy an Xbox. Which, in, which kind of in and of itself destroys the very conceit of the Xbox Series S, which is, hey, are you are you weary about buying an Xbox? Well, here, we got an entry-level one for you. Are you a PlayStation gamer that wants to get in on the wonder of Game Pass? Well, here's an introductory model for you so you don't feel so bad about buying it as a secondary console. Now you immediately destroy that market entirely because now those people know I never need an Xbox to play Xbox games my playstation and it's not even as indirect as like because I can just play them on PC it's like no because my playstation has everything xbox has and everything xbox doesn't have because that's playstation it's the console that just has everything and more and you will destroy the xbox hardware ecosystem and i know Phil Spencer says like phil oh xbox will always exist as a console there'll always be some kind of box you know, yeah. I mean, we see there are like some rumors, kind of unfounded. Maybe, maybe they're real. Maybe they're not. I don't know. About like the next generation of Xbox hardware will start in two years, and they'll have a powerful one, like an Xbox Series X. And then instead of an Xbox Series S, what they'll do is have like a Steam Deck or a Nintendo Switch-like handheld game console that can dock into a TV, like a Nintendo Switch, and that will be their Xbox Series S kind of replacement. I could see a future where that kind of device exists or maybe a streaming stick or, or something like that or like something like that that Xbox streaming box that they canceled uh, a couple of years ago. You could see something like that existing, but the more and more people just buy Xbox games on PlayStation and don't buy Xbox hardware, the, the faster and faster we reach a reality where the first thing to go is your most powerful, top of the line, hardcore gamer box, which is the thing I care about the most, which is the thing... A lot of you probably care about the most and and not everyone. I know there's a lot of you guys out there listening to the show and you're like, I play on PC and that's great for you. It's awesome. But like, I know there's a lot of us who are still like, yo, I no, I want like Xbox one X and I want like Xbox series X. I want like the big beefy, powerful top of the line, natively run piece of hardware. And that's the thing that's going to go. If you're okay with that, just know that that is where that inevitably leads. That is the natural and logical conclusion that scenario and that's the problem with that double dip theory with that market whereas if you go long and steady and you think long term and you're a business that like playstation that knows that your gaming brand is important and you have to nurture it and you have to be patient with it and it takes time to do these things right even if it's painful in the short term you know that the thing to do with xbox is exactly what i said at the top you need that 12 to 24 month game pass success story you need that thing where it's like, okay, so in 2024, it's like, okay, in May we got we got Hellblade 2, it was good. And then in August we got Avout, it. it was awesome. And then in November we got Indiana Jones and Call of Duty Black Ops Gulf War. It was fucking awesome. And then in February we surprise launched another like smaller game that was pretty good. And then and then in in, in April we released Fable. And that was a huge deal. That game's doing really, really well. And then, you know, that fall we had a new Gears of War. And in August we had State of K 3 and all the, you know, and Forza Horizon 6 or whatever. It's like, there there you go. There's your 12 to 24 month period where it's like, are you a fucking idiot? Are you a stupid idiot? And you're not going to get Game Pass? You're not going to get an Xbox? Well, look at all these great games. And these games are coming out and they're all hitting. And now we got fucking perfect dark on the horizon clockwork revolution and south of midnight. And it's like, Oh man, Holy shit. Xbox is on fire. Game pass is the subscription service to have Xbox. You can get in as low as 300 bucks. I got to get in on Xbox. This thing is awesome. That's what you need. And we're so close to it. And it's a long run. It, mean means, it means you got to deal with another year or so of Xbox running a little rough. Yeah, it sucks. But guess what? The good news is the bright side is you're a $3 trillion fucking company who can sustain another six months, another 12 months of just wait it out. We're almost there. I understand that you can only do that for so long, but if you're actually invested in gaming, and if you actually have your finger on the pulse at all and know anything about where we are, we're so fucking close. I don't expect a Sachi Nadella to be boots on the ground. Like, Oh, well I saw what the team over at, over, uh, over at, um, over at undead labs is working on. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think state of K3 is going to be all that impressive. Like I don't, I don't think he's that fucking involved. I don't think Sachin Nadella knows what the fuck contraband is. That guy knows about as much of that game as 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 I do, as someone who saw the fucking teaser trailer and nothing else. So what I'm just trying to say is, if you play that long, that slow and steady, long wait, long term game, dude, you fucking you got this. I'm not saying that this a successful 12 to 24 month Game Pass hype cycle would turn the tides around entirely, I'm not saying Xbox Series X outsold the PS5 in the end of the day, like, I know. but people might start subscribing and buying hardware pretty fucking fast if you have a really great catalog to feed them, but I guess we'll never know, because you're just going to fucking shadow drop Hi-Fi Rush on PS5 in a couple weeks, like a bunch of fucking silly boys, so, again, and I don't want to come across as that guy that, like, oh, I don't want PlayStation players to get my games, I do want PlayStation players to have access to these games. It's like, you know, in, in, on paper, it's like, yeah, I would love everyone to have access to all these. I wish I could play fucking Super Mario Wonder on my Xbox Series X right now. I I, I don't want to play it on my, my fucking Switch. That thing sucks. If I could play Super Mario Wonder on my Xbox, that'd be amazing. So I want people to be able to play any game anywhere. I don't want to gatekeep content from people, but... I, I love xbox and he and, and i'm trying to like rat I, I thought about it on my r- drive home today i was like well like think about it rationally am i just be honest with yourself are you just being a fanboy or, or is there a real reason why you're so like clung on to like this i i, I want to keep the exclusives exclusive on game on xbox and i know a lot of people's response to this the, the common response is well well competitions healthy for the, the for the ecosystem you know a, a good a good healthy market is all about good competition and yes of course i agree with that to an extent but i don't know it's like let me just try to, uh, in typical Xbox On fashion, just kind of overly elaborate on that. And I always I always bring up phones. Man, if there's anything I'm good at doing, it's like bringing Disney theme parks and cell phones into the conversation when not needed. But people get really nostalgic about the T-Mobile Sidekick and the Motorola Razor and flip phones and, oh, my phone could do this. And remember, the Nextel and all this stuff. Like, people get really nostalgic for that shit, right? Nokia. <clears throat> and... The reason for that is because the phone market used to be such that the rules were unwritten and it was just this whole like, we, every creator, every company can imagine the phone as a different product for a different type of consumer. And what we got was this, wonderful market full of these ridiculous, inventive, creative, zany devices that were all so different from one another. This T-Mobile sidekick was all about social media at the time. You know, what was social media at the time? Texting with your friends, chatting with your friends, staying connected via communication. The BlackBerry was the phone for business people. It's all about having access to the web in email. If you're someone who lives and dies by your email inbox, you got to have a BlackBerry. If you were the kind of person that just needed the coolest phone, if, if you were like a music person, you got like a Sony Ericsson. They had good speakers. They had like lights on the side. They were fucking cool phones. And that's kind of how it was. It was like every phone was so different. Every phone was for someone else. And there was just such a creative, flourishing market of phones. And then the smartphone industry carried that kind of quirkiness with it in the early days. You had Apple with the iPhone, which was what it was. And then you had Android with all of its 2.9 million OEMs making all different types of phones from all these different manufacturers. And then you had Microsoft come in with somewhere in between with Windows Phone, where it was like, we have different OEMs making different phones, but the ecosystem's a little more locked in, like iPhone. So it's a little prettier and cleaner and easier to use. And it was awesome. Like, m- m- early years of smartphones phones were fucking cool, man. Remember, remember the early, like the early iPhones versus the early droids versus the early Samsung galaxies versus, uh, Nokia phones like Nokia phones had actual fucking cameras taped onto the back with zoom lenses and shit like Zeiss optical lenses and Samsung phones were like, it's a family. It's like a fucking tablet in your pocket and we gave you a pen and iPhone was like, uh, we're, we're iPhone, we're cool as shit and everyone wants to look like us. And it was awesome because even back then, like smartphones were kind of like that where it was just so diverse and cool. But then what happened over time was the market spoke. And some some companies saw the writing on the wall and were like, okay, there's not a lot of money to be made here. Okay, no matter what we do, no matter how many screens we put on the phone, no matter how many features we come up with, people just want the fucking iPhone. And Apple was like, "Mm, what about iMessage? What about FaceTime? And then before you knew it, it just became everyone had. And and Android's even worse, where it's like Android is an open platform where anyone and everyone can make a phone, but it still kind of ended up just being Samsung. on this platform and it sucks now because now you look at the 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 phone space and windows phone has been pushed out and most of the android manufacturers have called it quits and the few that remain it's google with the pixel series samsung with the galaxy series and then a couple other ones couple chinese manufacturers you got like OnePlus and stuff like that oppo and the name of the game is copy everyone around you Like, there's no cool Nokia Windows phone anymore. There's no cool LG Wing phone anymore. There's none of that cool shit. It's all dead. It's all gone. Now, it's just everyone's trying to be just like the fucking iPhone. Look, it's titanium, and it comes in gray, and it comes in fucking alternate gray, and it comes in, like, a purple that looks like a gray, and it comes in a green that kind of looks like fucking gray because everything's so garish and stupid looking. And look, it has, like, 75 fucking camera lenses on the back, and there's nothing good about it. It's $1,500. It's just like the last one you had. And here's the Samsung version. It's just like the iPhone version, but we're going to fight about it anyway. And there's no fucking heart or soul left in phones, save for like Samsung making a couple fucking bendable, foldable phones. And the phone market sucks now. There's no Windows phone. There's no third pillar. Everyone on Android is just trying to be iPhone. iPhones out of fucking ideas. They're just aping things that Nokia did 20 years ago. And people who don't care about phones are like, oh, isn't that cool? AirTags. It's like, yeah, I know. And it's like, I don't know. It sucks. Like that, 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 ecosystem that marketplace isn't fun anymore and that and that's the gist of that verbose way too long of, of a story analogy type deal it's just it's not fun anymore like phones just kind of suck and even though I, I still get excited about this because i can get excited about paint drying on a wall it's like yeah there's a reason why nobody cares about phones and why when someone's phone breaks or gets old they just on to the next iphone i guess whatever the new one is because there's nothing to be excited about anymore and that's what happens when When Microsoft drops out, that's what happens when Xbox becomes a subscription brand, a gaming publisher. I mean, that's what Xbox is about to turn into, right? It's like something between fucking Ubisoft Plus and Activision is where they're headed. You know, they keep this shit up. They're going to have to get out of hardware. Or at least consoles. Maybe they'll make accessories. Maybe they'll continue to make controllers because everyone agrees Xbox controllers are so fucking good. So maybe they'll still make controllers or some headsets or some stupid shit like that. But they're on the path to like getting out of hardware altogether and they're basically gonna just become the Call of Duty and Halo publisher. And they have a subscription service that some people have, whatever, you know? And that's the direction we're headed in with Xbox. So I think Xbox is fine as a brand. I just worry about the Xbox I care about persisting and I think that one is 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 on the not on the verge of extinction but on the verge of veering onto the path that will lead them to extinction. And that sucks, man. I like I I I'm, I'm I'm heartbroken that every computer operating system is lame and boring now and that every phone is boring as shit now and now video game consoles are about to do it too because I can see a future where it's all like you either get the PlayStation 6 or you get a a custom-built PC that's super high-end for gaming, or you buy one of the many, 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 many Nintendo Switch-like knockoff devices, whether it's the Nintendo Switch 2, or the Steam Deck, or the fucking Chinese manufacturer numbers and letters combination, this or that, whatever the fuck it's called, or the Xbox To-Go fucking, you know, the Xbox DoorDash, whatever, and it's like a little fucking screen with two joysticks, and it just connects to your Wi-Fi and streams shit to you. Like, That's fine. We can do that, but like that's boring and it sucks. And I love Xbox because I love the controller and I love the UX and I love the the as arbitrary and made up as it sounds the 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 experiences I've had on that platform over the years. You know, I go onto my Xbox and in some ways, when I log into my Series X today, I still feel like I'm on the same platform I was on all those years ago when I was fucking eating cheese you know checks checks mix in my in my childhood bedroom playing left for dead on xbox on xbox live uh, with my shitty crt tv that looked like crap with xbox 360 having a good time because it's the same profile after all these years it's the same um it's the same ecosystem it's the same library it's the same achievement list it's everything it's like that's where i built out my profile and i love i love halo and i love gears of war and i stuck with those games and i love I just I just love the Xbox ecosystem, man. It's like it's a it is a little arbitrary, it surely is. But I love that shit. And I would I would hate for that to go. And I don't hate PlayStation. I, I mean the first video game console I ever really had access to in my home was was a PlayStation one. <laughs> so like I grew up on PlayStation. I love PlayStation. We had a PS2 growing up as well. I loved that. Um I, I, I think PlayStation's great. And if you know if if unfortunately the only video game console, traditional video game console I could buy on the market was a PlayStation, I would say That's so much better than nothing. That's so, so, so much better than nothing. But if Xbox wasn't an option, objectively, we'd be in a worse place. And yeah, I mean, all the things that everyone else says too, right? PlayStation can be a little lazier, I suppose, if there's less competition coming from Xbox. Yeah, whatever. We don't need to get into that. But like, I don't know, man. It just, it just, doesn't it suck? Doesn't it suck? I mean, we've seen this happen before. It happened to Sega. I'm glad Sega's around. I'm glad we still get Sonic games. I fucking love the Yakuza franchise. Don't get me wrong. Like, Sega's great. They're doing great shit. And it's awesome that we have them around, but you can't tell me what we have right now would be is, is better than if Sega were still making consoles. How cool would that be? If Sega were still making consoles, I don't, I don't want Xbox to go the same way they did. You know, like I'm an, I'm a Microsoft fan. I know what it's like to lose zoom slash Xbox music slash groove music. I know what it's like to lose windows phone and how it's like to lose basically all support for surface because now Panos Panay has left Microsoft and, that whole brand's kind of like in limbo. Like I, I know what it's like to just constantly as a Microsoft fan be let down, disappointed. And now they're pulling out this, now they're half ass this and they're not putting their money where their mouth is on that. But Xbox has always been like, kind of like the one where they just kind of look the other way and let Xbox do what they're doing. And it's really going to break my heart. If this is upper management at Microsoft stepping in finally and saying, we arbitrarily choose now to pay attention to Xbox because man, oh man, that sucks. Cause Xbox is really good stuff, and I'll be fine. You know, like I said, we'll, we'll be fine if we if all we got is PlayStation. It'll be it'll be good. PlayStation's great, but man, wouldn't it be fucking great if we still had Windows Phone? That's that's where we're heading with Xbox. So I don't know. That just sucks, man. They're just going to be the Call of Duty publisher at this point. They're they're just turning into Activision. So anyway, I think that's uh, that's it for my thoughts on this subject matter for now. Very uh, over the top, a little melodramatic, and typical Xbox on fashion. But I don't know. I feel I feel good about it. I I I, I think. I feel good about where I stand on it is what I mean but who knows next week Phil Spencer or the team at Xbox they they've got some serious fucking explaining to do and I'm really curious to see the format the 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 method of how they choose to deliver this information and hopefully they come out and say some things we want to hear but I I think the fact that they're not able to dispel these rumors tells you yes we have some Xbox first party trying to combine words Xbox first-party games that are coming imminently to PlayStation, we have to live with this, and I, and I really do believe that Phil Spencer and his team are not the ones who are championing this. They're not the ones that want this, but maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, let's let's move on. That's really it for the news this week. Aside from a little wrap up here about Game Pass, got some new games coming and going. So available now, and you and you is available. Uh, Train Sim World 4 is available now, and also available now. Madden NFL 24 through EA Play, so that's another great value. Um, coming soon to Game Pass, we got a couple games coming in February. to note: Resident Evil 3, um, that's a really good one. So it's a Resident Evil 3 remake from a couple years ago. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. I'm actually going to try to play that a little bit when it comes out, because I'm actually looking forward to giving that game a go. Uh, a Little to the Left on February 15th, along with Plate Up. And then Return to Grace on February 20th. So all those games come into Game Pass. And then thankfully, we're not losing a whole lot um, this this month on Game Pass. So on February 15th, the following two games, Galactic Civilization 3 and Opus Echo of Starsong are leaving the service. So download them now while you still can. Give them a go before they are gone. You got about a week left. And that's it for all of our news this week, you guys. Let's uh, wrap up with the important enough news story. stories. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warn their own discussions, of which, case, uh, you know, unfortunately, we have to talk about the layoffs of the week. Good news is we only have one to mention, but even one is too many. Visual Concepts Austin has been the latest studio affected by widespread layoffs across the game industry. Uh, Visual Concepts Austin is a studio... That is largely known for their work on the WWE 2K series, the NBA 2K series, and most recently the Lego 2K Drive game that came out last week last year. Um, some big fucking high-profile games to be uh, losing your job over. I, I, can you imagine contributing to a game that's as financially successful as NBA 2K and then still losing your job? Like, what do you fucking want at that point? Like, what, what, what is enough to keep your job at that point? Next up, Turn 10 has some exciting news. They revealed plans of how, how they're going to update Forza Motorsports' progression system, following a lot of fan criticism. In an update they published this week, Turn 10 outlined two major changes expected in March as part of the sixth major update. Firstly, all car parts for every car will now be unlocked at car level one, meaning all players can install upgrades in any order. And secondly, car car points will be obtained uh, with the in-game credits, with Turn 10 currently testing a ratio of 4,500 credits for every 500 car points, which should make things a little more easy. I'm not really sure how to read that, but um, hopefully that's all good news. Next up, Square Enix have announced the start date for the Final Fantasy 14 open beta on Xbox. According to the publisher, the beta will begin on Wednesday, February 21st at 3 a.m. Eastern Time. Anyone with an existing Final Fantasy 14 account on another platform will be unable to join the open beta, as it's solely designed for newcomers right now. The publisher plans to fully launch the series X and S version immediately after the beta ends, but the date will be determined after thorough review. Uh, beta players will be able to transfer their data to the final version. So more or less, the game's coming to Xbox on February 21st, but it will go from a beta phase to a full release phase at some point after that date. I kind of I want to give that a try. I don't i don't foresee my... Like, if I was going to play a game like this, I'd go with Fantasy Star Online 2, which I did play some of and really enjoyed. But I don't know, I'm kind of curious about just... Any fucking Final Fantasy game on Xbox now? Uh, and lastly, the previous ne- uh, previously released Netflix sequel to Ubisoft's Valiant Hearts is now set to be released on Xbox One. As spotted by VGC, the Brazil, ra- the Brazil Ratings Board has recently classified a console port of Valiant Hearts coming home. side going action-adventure adventure puzzle game was previously only on mobile devices requiring a Netflix subscription. However, it seems this will no longer be the case according to the ratings body, so hopefully that happens. And that's going to do it for all of our news this week, you guys. Now we are down to the final and best segment of the podcast. The comments, the shouts from YouTube, you know how it works, guys. You go over to YouTube.com slash XboxOnPodcast or add XboxOnPodcast at YouTube.com. Click on the latest episode and drop a comment. You can say anything you want, anything nice, anything mean, anything in between. Please write in. Uh, we've been getting a lot fewer write-ins as of late, and I would love your participation, your feedback. So if you guys feel so inclined to write a comment or have anything to get off your chest, Again, I mean it. Anything nice, anything mean, whatever you want to say. Uh, I implore you to come and leave a comment so we can have some more discussion on the show next week. Uh, with that said, thank you to all those who did write in. We start off this week with Cronky, who says, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it. I didn't see the layoffs coming as a result of the Activision buyout. I only ever wanted it for backwards compatibility, but it's not worth it at the cost of 2,000 jobs. I feel bad for cheering it on now. Well, you don't have to feel bad. You didn't actively wish for this, but yes. Unfortunately, corporations suck, and that's just what it is. But, yeah, man, I mean, um, it's as Mike Clark said here, where he goes, sorry for making another post this week, but when do we get the benefits from Activision Blizzard King again? And that's the best way to put it. It's like, yeah, we've only gotten bad bad news since this deal has gone through. So, whatever. Fuck that. I do wonder, uh, I I also meant to say earlier, I wonder if some of the like Starfield and Hi-Fi Rush and coming to the PlayStation and all that. I wonder if it's because it does seem like Bethesda is noticeably pissed off that they don't bring games to multi-platform now, that they're kind of exclusive. So I wonder if there's like some belly aching from people over at Bethesda about that and if that has something to do with uh, what all is going on. But anyway, uh, Pete Hines is leaving anyway. He seems to be the one who's the pissiest about it. So losing big talent like that's not good. But anyway, Arctic Chief writes in and says, sad to hear more layoffs happen, especially when you're bragging about being a $3 trillion company. Yeah, amen, brother. Maybe I missed it when you said it, but what made you want to go back and play the uh, uh, Batman Arkham games after so long? I don't know if it was anything in particular. I think it was just like, it was December. I was looking at games to play, and it was, you know, you get one of those, it was an impulse. You get one of those impulses where it's like, you're looking at your catalog, you're like, I'm going to fucking play this game that I always say I'm going to play that I never played. Let's do it. And Batman Arkham was like the perfect one where it's like one of those games that's always staring me in the face. And I know it's not too long. Honestly, I really thought I was just going to play the first one, enjoy it, and then be like, I'll get to the second one maybe in a year or two. But I uh, I don't know what's going on with me right now, but I'm on a little bit of a, a DC superhero kick lately. It's just been crazy. Like, I've just, I watched all the movie. I, I never gave a shit about DC, but lately I'm like, I'm watching all the movies. I'm playing the Batman Arkham games. I want to get an HBO subscription so I can watch the animated Cinematic Universe because apparently those are good. My coworker, like, outlined the ones I need to watch and everything, and the order and everything. So I'm going to try to start with Flashpoint maybe the next week or two. And and I don't know. DC's just kind of doing it for me a little bit right now. I'm kind of getting into that, which is it's fun. It's nice to – I'm trying to broaden my horizons, give things a try that I traditionally don't think I like. And lately, a couple things I've been getting into that I used to not give a shit about. DC comic books. Well, not comic books, but, you know, the characters in the, in the universes. And in uh, NFL. I'm watching football for some fucking reason, so. I'll be watching the Super Bowl this weekend. I don't know what's going on with that. Anyway, you said, I'm currently trying to get through Spider-Man 2 without rushing through the story because I need to beat Final Fantasy 7 Remake to be ready for Rebirth. Man, do I hate being behind on games. It is uh, Nothing is more stressful in life than the ar- arbitrary pressure we put on ourselves to beat games in a certain time frame for no reason. It's, it's insane, right? But I totally understand the feeling, so I'm not going to judge you for it. Arctic Chief. God bless you. Don't don't rush through Spider-Man 2. That game looks so fucking good. I'm sure it's amazing. But yeah, n- enjoy it. Savor it. Because once it's gone, once it's over, you can never experience it for the first time again. Unless you get amnesia, maybe dementia or something like that. Maybe it'll be like playing it for the first time. Then after that, I don't know. I don't wish that on you, Arctic Chief. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Hope the family's doing well. And also, might I just say, that new cologne you're wearing, it's pretty good. Maybe don't wear it to the office. You might be upsetting your wife, but it's pretty good shit, especially for the weekends. Keep up. Keep up. Keep up. Keeping up. Whatever. Mr. Maug writes in and says it goes to show that all big corporations are assholes and not our friends. Uh, also, I tried those new Taco Bell items you mentioned. I really like them. I love how you followed up. All big corporations suck. Anyway, I went to that corporation that sells fast food that kills you faster, and um, it's good. I really liked it. Uh, Mr. Maug, that's the, that might be the most Jesse thing you've ever said. I love it. But yeah, fuck the corporations. Fuck the politicians. Fuck the fast food co- companies that are killing us. And also... God damn, Taco Bell is delicious. Have a great week, Mr. Maug. I know you're a Forza guy, so hopefully you're looking forward to those updates. And finally, our last comment of the week comes from first-time writer Julian Wire, who writes in and says, I feel you missed the biggest point when comparing Hogwarts Legacy to Pal World last week. Hogwarts Legacy is a one-and-done campaign. Pal World's more like Minecraft. The game doesn't end just because you max-leveled it, and starting a new world is more fun than starting a campaign. Not to mention, you can play with friends and more. That's the recipe for long-term distance. All right, Julian, first of all, thank you for writing in. Uh, Second of all, I don't remember when I compared Pal World to Hogwarts Legacy. I'm not saying I didn't do it. In fact, I'm sure I did do it. I just don't remember it, so I don't know how to respond to this in context. And third thing, that is so subjective what you're saying there about about why uh, starting a new world is more fun than a campaign. Okay, man. I will just say as as a as a certified video game boomer, playing through a linear, narrative based campaign is always gonna be better than playing through a new, in this case, quote unquote world or, you know, playing a open ended crafting adventure kind of Minecraft arc survival pal world style game. I mean dude, that's the that's the shit that turns me off so fucking fast is when I boot up a game, I'm like, tell me what I need to do to play that that's what's so great about story driven games, is like you know that there is a way to experience the game where you're gonna walk away going, I feel complete, I can move on now. And the thing that stresses me out so much about games like Pal World or Minecraft is those games intentionally so don't have a a definitive start and finish and don't have a way to, ooh, I, I did the thing, now I can put the game down, feel satisfied and move on. Those games are designed to keep you for an indefinite period of time so that you just play. And that stresses me the fuck out. That's like, it's like, um, I don't know. It's like, it's like a game with a campaign, like a game like Call of Duty or Batman Arkham or Hogwarts legacy. That's like real life, right? It's like, you know, you're going to die, but if you're lucky, you got 80 years to really make it fucking count. Fall in love, get married, break an arm, get, have some good times with your buddies, try all the menu items at Taco Bell. And yeah, unfortunately you're going to die, but, You can have a really good hell of a time before it happens. And games like PAL world and Minecraft are like that, that thing that humans all think about that, like our brains try to block because it's just too big to comprehend where you're like, what happens when I die? It's like, okay, well maybe if you're religious, you're like, Oh, I go to heaven. Or maybe if you're Buddhist, you're like, Oh, I get reincarnated. Or maybe if you're atheist, you're like, that's it. I just die. And that's it. It's like, what do you mean? That's just it. Like my conscience goes away. Like I don't, what happens to me and all my memories? It's like, I don't know it's like, does it end? It's like, well, it's eternal. It's like, if you go to heaven, it never ends. It's like, well, shouldn't it end at some point? It's like, no, it's amazing. It's like, is that amazing? And you're just like, well, what do you do in heaven? It's like, whatever you want. It's like the best part. You go on and you do the things that make you happiest with the people you love, and you're all up in heaven and you celebrate together. And it's like, but what's the objective? And it's like, well, there is none. It's like, ah, that that's what Power world is to me. It's like trying to, it's trying to use my feeble human mind to comprehend the afterlife. And I, it drives, it makes me want to, ju- it makes me want to jump out of the 14th floor of a, of a big building so fucking bad. But real life, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna die. But like, <laughs> chocolate, you know, it's like I get to do something before I die. Ah man, I can't, I can't handle it. I need, I need, I need someone to set set forth a clear beginning, middle, and end in order for me to enjoy anything in life. But Julian, I'm sorry, I can uh, respond better to. Uh, my poor comparison because I I don't remember what I said last week that triggered your comment, but I greatly appreciate you commenting in and I I appreciate your thoughtful feedback and hope to hear from you again in the future. Have a great week and to everyone have a great week. Thank you for listening in and let me know what you guys think. This is a really, obviously probably, I mean, I I would say at the time this podcast has been around the most controversial consequence, controversial and consequential, I can't pronounce that word. What the fuck? Con- consequence, so goddamn I should just turn off the podcast. Consequence having story to happen in Xbox, but inability to speak aside. Uh, I mean, this is just I mean, I'm sure everyone has an opinion on this. So, I'd appreciate your feedback. Um, love to hear what you guys think. I'm sure some of you agree with me to an extent. I'm sure some of you think I'm way off base and I'd love to hear why you think that is. So, feel free to write in and until next week, Take care, be well, uh, have a better command of the English language than I have, which shouldn't be hard, eat all the value menu items at Taco Bell, and until next week, power your dreams.